Welcome to Rem and Sam. We are back, back again. We got a fully packed first round. This will be the busiest. I mean, just mathematically, will be the most different storylines we have, will have in the NBA playoffs because it's the first round. Every It's kind of like in the middle of all the series except for the Philly one, which we'll still talk about. And then we got a little Frisbee corner. You know, the result of the game, you know, you, you, uh, we'll get into that. But starting off at the top, big news, probably the biggest news so far besides the Lamar stuff in this NFL post mm-hmm. or offseason. Rodgers mm-hmm. finally gets traded. They finally go through with it. And Rem, you know, starting off just with the trade, what did you think? Who won? Would you give him last more? What, what did you think of the trade? Finally, the Jets are able to get Aaron Rodgers. This has obviously been a long time coming, and there's been some holdups either side. Who knows what the negotiations, the holdups actually were at the end of the day, but the Packers get the number 13, the number 42, the number 207, and a 2024 first. The Jets get Rodgers, number 15, number 170 in the draft. A lot of these picks kind of cancel each other out. Rodgers, the players going back and forth. This is basically Rodgers for, you know, a conditional first round pick. And it's crazy that Rodgers coming off back to back MVPs. We know he struggled last year. We know it was a down year. But the fact that this is ultimately what the trade ends up being, and this is the what you're giving up to get potentially, you know, franchise quarterbacks a little strong because he is on the older side. You know, he's getting close to 40. He's not going to be around, obviously, for five seven, eight, nine years. He's not going to be around for that long, but for the immediate now for trying to win a title. Now he is a guy you're going to bring in and you're hoping to win a Super Bowl. And if you just look at the other big quarterback trades in the NFL, I mean, Russell Wilson got traded last off season for two firsts, two seconds and a little bit more as well. There's other players and picks and stuff thrown in in the five years leading up to that trade. He had one playoff win wasn't an MVP. Rodgers won two of them. And this is what they're giving up for Rodgers. This trade is closer to the Carson Wentz trade from the Eagles to the Colts than it is from the Russell Wilson trade from the Seahawks to the Broncos. The Eagles got a first round pick and a third round pick for Carson Wentz from the Colts. And yes, the Colts overpaid, but what are the Jets really getting here with this Aaron Rodgers deal? Aaron Rodgers, all-time great quarterback, back-to-back MVP, but the value and the assets going back and forth. This trade is telling me that Rodgers is closer to being a low-end quarterback than he is being a high-end quarterback because high-end quarterbacks, you get you get all these picks, you get the Russell Wilson mega deal, you get to start your franchise in a different direction. And it just, it didn't happen here. People have difference of opinions about what they gave up, but they didn't have to do the superstar haul for a quarterback is, that it's supposed to be a superstar quarterback. I mean, it is interesting that the Jets got this low price and that you bring it up because some people are pretty sure they could have gotten lower just with the situation that the Packers were in. Um, and they were kind of backed into the corner. They just needed to get some value from it. I don't know if there's any other team that, you know, was going to take Rogers considering he said he wanted to go to the Jets. You know, kind of similar to actually the KD situation with the Suns and the Heat. And you can't bring him back. It's, it's just not going to work out like that. 
but the Jets, you know, made it clear that this was their only option. And one interesting thing that I heard is maybe they could have gone for Lamar, made even a meeting with Lamar, kind of given the Packers another deal. But they get the deal done. Um, I think there was just push to get it done before the draft, you know, get their place and plan in place so they can move on with their with their team. And, you know, one funny storyline about a year ago, you know, hearing Zach Wilson saying that whoever comes in, you know, he's going to try to make their life a hell and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. OK, no one cares. But uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, are they what Zach Wilson does now? I mean, considering just how bad the last two seasons are, you know, do the Jets just can they get some value for him for him? Or like, does anyone think that Zach Wilson can be even a starting quarterback? I mean. You know, are are we just calling it a day on Zach Wilson and him being uh, an actual quarterback in this league? Because I've been done since he came into the league. But you know, for people who are more in the middle rim, you know, are we are we just is the book closed for Zach Wilson? I guess you and me are both in the same boat here. This goes back to draft night as well. I don't think either of us would have taken Zach Wilson in the NFL draft. Ne- neither of us would have taken him second in the NFL draft. We definitely wouldn't have taken him over. Justin Fields, Trey Lance is iffy, but maybe there's some more a- upside with the athleticism. Mac Jones has already had two productive seasons as an NFL quarterback, much better than anything Zach Wilson has ever put up. And if you look at the roster, the blue chip guys, the reason that Aaron Rodgers is trying to get on the Jets, yes, Zach Wilson should have succeeded on this roster. He did not. The ship has probably sailed for Zach Wilson as an NFL quarterback. And if you look at on the defense, Quinn and Williams and Sauce Gardner are probably the best pair of teammates that Aaron Rodgers has had since you go back to when he first emerges as the Green Bay starter. A couple of studs they have on defense. They have Clay Matthews, was first-team All-Pro several seasons there in Green Bay when they won the Super Bowl. Same thing with Charles Woodson. Charles Woodson won Defensive Player of the Year before they won the Super Bowl back in 09-010. Quinn and Williams and Sauce Gardner are probably the two most talented teammates Roger has had since then. So this, he is in a prime position to be successful on this team. It's just the market for Rogers is telling me that he is closer to being Matt Ryan than he is to being like a high end quarterback, because that's what the jets had to give up to get him. So hopefully this works out for the jets because this roster is primed to be successful. I love these young guys that are here. The quarterback position on this team was going to be a huge need because it was really the one thing they needed to fill. And especially you think they get Brees Hall back. Garrett Wilson looked like a promising young rookie and they got some other pieces as well that are weapons too. This roster is ready to go. They needed a quarterback. I don't know if Rodgers is necessarily that guy, but at least they got the deal done after all this time. Yeah, and, you know, they definitely – it was a deal that needed to get done. Um, It's great that it got done. But, you know, it's not going to be an easy path for Rodgers. The Jets right now have the seventh hardest strength of schedule um, in the NFL, and that's a tough division, you know, with Tua still in with the Dolphins. I mean, his insane mm-hmm. winning record uh, with, with that team and how uh, high-powered that offense is. The Bills, you know, we know already. You don't even need to give them any qualifiers. And then the Patriots, another year with Mac Jones. We'll see what they do. You know, we can never count out Belichick. It probably is. Obviously, he's had way better seasons than the one he's going going to have. But 
you know, there's still a competitive team that you can't count out. And as the fourth worst team, you know, probably one of the best in the league as the worst team in the division. So it's it's definitely going to be, an, you know, an uphill battle. But like you mentioned, this team has got a lot of talent and that they knew that, that they know that that roster has a lot of talent, which is why they went with such an aggressive move. It's just going to be interesting to see if they can stay atop this division because, you know, it's one of the hardest divisions in football. You know, not definitely not up, not on top of like AFC North or even the West or something along those lines, but definitely one of the toughest. And, you know, what Rodgers, he's he's definitely he's going from one situation where, you know, the teams are on the rise to another situation where teams around him are also on the rise. You know, it, we're, we'll have to see if he can if he can go back to winning divisions again. I, I'm not 100 percent sure on that. It's a new team, new system, new coach. And, you know, it's it, it's the Jets. I mean, we just like the Bengals, you, you could, it could end up like the Bengals where they go from, you know, multiple years of being absolutely horrible and now they're winning waves. But it's one of those things, you know, see it when I believe it. They, they haven't had a culture of winning. And especially, especially with football, it is a lot more of culture. It's 53 players. You know, you all the teams have talent. It's it's on it's it's definitely a ground up kind of more of more important than, you know, NBA where you can get one or two stars and you can change stuff overnight. So the Jets are better overnight, obviously much improved. But this is, a, you know, not a prime Rodgers and in a tough division, you know, and we just have to not be surprised if they end up, you know, third or fourth in their division. Dolphins, like you said, I think are going underrated in this whole thing because Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, we just talked about Quinn and Williams and Sauce Gardner. Like Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle are that on offense. They are very explosive. There are question marks with Tua, but there are pieces in place. Don't forget too, they just brought in Jalen Ramsey this offseason. Jalen right. Phillips it continues to grow on the defensive line. Christian Wilkins. There are blue chippers on this Dolphins roster. If you ask me right now, just because we've seen that Dolphins roster, I mean, they're, Tua's health is going to be a major concern, but if Tua is healthy, just what we saw last year, I would be more confident in the Dolphins than the Jets going into the season. Rodgers in the playoffs especially. You're bringing in Rodgers to compete in the playoffs. Rodgers has not necessarily proven that he has been successful in the playoffs in the NFC. He's come up short in the NFC Championship game the last decade, the last handful of times. 0-4 in NFC championship games since going since winning the Super Bowl. And there's not even a guarantee. I don't think anymore in the AFC that he can even get to the playoffs last year on the Packers. I'm pretty sure he was missing throws. I'm pretty sure he was just out of sync with his receivers. Aaron Rodgers took a step back last year. Who knows where he was mentally, where his psyche was, where he was with the whole relationship with green Bay. But I just go watch the tape. It, there are some moments where you see Aaron Rodgers make a pass. You're like, oh, that is vintage Aaron Rodgers. He still has the accuracy. He can still put it down the sideline. But there was just time and time again where head-scratching things, head-scratching mistakes that Aaron Rodgers had not made in his past throws that he had never missed before. And I just don't know, for one, in the playoffs, if he's going to put your team over the edge. And like you said, in this division, in a loaded AFC, there's not even a, there's not even a guarantee that he's going to make the playoffs. So... We'll see where this move takes the Jets, but I think the fact, too, that they're both getting to draft tomorrow night. We're recording this Wednesday night. 
tomorrow night's the NFL draft. And the fact that they both keep their first round picks this year is both going to be important. The Packers are obviously going to need theirs. They're rebuilding, but the Jets still have a couple of pieces they needed to they need to fill. They need an offensive lineman. They have some questions to tackle. They still have a chance to fill those needs and kind of round this thing out with before they make a push in this year. So it'll be fun to see these teams draft. I have my questions about this Rogers trade, but we'll see if they can even make the playoffs in such a loaded AFC. Looking at Aaron Rodgers' stats last year, mind you, first season with an extra game in the regular season. So they should be up, but in fact, mm-hmm. they're not. He has the fewest number of yards for playing a a whole season, 3,600, almost 3,700, pretty much from his whole career. Now, there are seasons where he obviously had less, but he only played a couple, uh, only a couple games. But when you look, I mean, it's pretty much, yeah, considering he played for the whole season, it's the lowest uh, number of yards. The most interceptions he's had since 2008. And then you look at, uh, let me see here. I had it here. The worst record he's had since 2018. Oh, yeah. Lowest number of touchdowns since 2018. And he's turning 40 next year. (laughs) 40 years old. And like we mentioned, something that I think is kind of going under the radar. He went from the NFC where... He could arguably be the number one quarterback, number two quarterback mm-hmm. to the AFC. So let's 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 go through the AFC quarterbacks. Let's see where do we put them in this juggernaut, ridiculous embarrassment of wealth that is the AFC quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I think we can both agree we're not taking him over my boy. Well, no. no. Next. Um, I mean, I, I, would you take him over Josh Allen? One I, year? For build a franchise around for the next five, two, three. It doesn't matter. Josh Allen every time. Josh Allen. Uh, I mean, Justin Herbert is where it gets iffy, you know. I Does it? I don't know. I don't Does think it? so. Not for me. It doesn't for me either. Keep it moving. Burrow, you uh, haven't even mentioned I don't know Burrow why they had Russell Wilson here at four, but uh, Joe Burrow. Uh, definitely Joe Burrow. Uh, Trevor Lawrence? No. Lamar Jackson? No, I, you know, even, even, you know, you know, we, we know, we obviously always give him the side eye, but Deshaun Watson, you know, like mm. we're starting to talk like he's, he, he's probably, I mean, he's still cracking the top 10, you know, AFC quarterbacks, mind you, but it's, it's still, I mean, that's almost, that's less than half. I mean, we're putting him in the second half of quarterbacks in his conference, which He's turning 40 years old, like we mentioned. He last year had one of the worst seasons he's had in recent memory. Um, you know, not even had – he didn't even have a winning record. He did, I mean, he, you know, and yes, it was also the pieces around him. It's not just him, but he is on the regress. And we haven't seen, you know, a lot of comparisons obviously made to Tom Brady. He's had this great career. But when you look at Tom Brady, you know, he's had a bad year. And then he's bounced back, you know, and he's he's shown winning rings, things along those lines. And, you know, we could argue Belichick and all that, but he did go to Tampa, whatever. I'm just saying, I definitely, this move, obviously, if you're the Jets, it's similar to the Brooklyn Nets. If you can go out and get a superstar, you do it. You just do it. I mean, that's why you do it. There's no question about it. But 
I definitely think that, you know, and I, you know, there's a reason why Packers fans are generally happy that they got rid. They're going from Aaron Rodgers, you know, one of the best top three, top two quarterbacks in their franchise history to Jordan Love, and they're happy. They're happy. And there's a reason for that. So I think, you know, poor Jets, you know, they finally get a player who, you know, even name Naismith, their name is. Joe Namath, their great quarterback, said, you can have my number. You know, they're just excited to have someone. And it it just happens to be a 40-year-old Aaron Rodgers. This is a move the Knicks would make. This is a classic New York Knicks mistake time and time again. The New York Jets borrowing from their New York sports team's brothers. Just getting in on the superstar time and time again too late. Derrick Rose, Amari Stoudemire, Tyson Chandler. I mean, they had Pete Carmelo Anthony, obviously, but... Just time and time again, getting these guys seems seemingly at the end of their run. This is exactly what's happening with Aaron Rodgers here. I don't know if you're the Jets trying to win a Super Bowl in the immediate future. If you're trying to win a Super Bowl next year, I don't know if you'd rather go from Jordan Love to Aaron Rodgers if you're the Jets. But, you know, the, the guys on this team are young. It feels like the Super Bowl window for this team could be open for maybe longer than Aaron Rodgers can give this team. So the fact that they didn't have to sacrifice too much is, I think, a plus. You know, one first potentially in 2024, most likely a first in 2024, but it is conditional. So most likely a first in 2024, but not much beyond that. It's not the Broncos. They're not sacrificing their future to bring in Russell Wilson. So if it doesn't work out, they will be able to recover from it. But if you're trying to win a Super Bowl and that's the expectation and that's the baseline that we're starting the conversation from, then I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is the move to make if you're the New York Jets. But he is back-to-back MVP. He is an upgrade over Zach Wilson. He's an upgrade over Mike White, too. We'll give him credit. He's an upgrade over <laughs> Mike White. But in the big landscape of the AFC, like you said, that's unbelievable. He might actually be a bottom-half quarterback. It's wild. It's wild. And it's just crazy how loaded the AFC is now. They, they, it's, it's just like it's all these teams super, you know, becoming super teams, kind of like the West a couple of years back in the NBA. And <laughs> it's just it's just wild that, you know, he's he can join Aaron Rodgers, you know, who at one point, you know, he was right up there with Tom Brady, you know, him moving over. And, you know, he's he probably he could be the third best quarterback in his division, you know, a healthy two over him. And, you know, Mac Jones knocking on his door might have better stats. So. That is tough, but they figured out they got to get it done before draft night, which just so happens to be tomorrow night. We may next week. We'll definitely do a breakdown on it. May have a guest come on the pod, a return guest. We'll see. We'll see. I think, I think we got him booked. I think he's definitely excited to come back on. Shout out to Danny. But today we wanted to do a little, little wish list, you know, little Christmas in April and you know we'll we'll start with Rem his team actually needs the help no need to diss my man's but you know we all know so Rem I know you wanted you're excited you're raring to go why shouldn't the Colts draft Will Levis because that's all I'm hearing that's all I'm hearing from sources right now If we know anything right now, it's Wednesday night. Again, the NFL draft is less than 24 hours from us at this point. And if we know anything in the top five of the NFL draft, we know the Colts love Will Levis. It seems like the Carolina Panthers are leaning Bryce Young 
there has been some movement among some other players, but Bryce Young is the strong option at number one. It seems like Houston is going to pass on a quarterback at number two, potentially go Tyree Will- Tyree Wilson or Will Anderson. But regardless, I it seems like those players might go two and three, but Anthony Richardson might go three, CJ Stroud might go three. All odds are Will Levis is going to drop to number four. And if Will Levis is sitting at four, Chris Ballard is going to roll up his sleeves and take Will Levis. And I, you know, like I said, next week we're going to break down the draft. Will Levis is not on the Colts yet. So I don't want to react to this like Will Levis is on the Colts. Start, you know, giving my takes on Ballard at this point. But if he adds Will Levis to his group of quarterbacks that he has brought in for the Indianapolis Colts, you just look at the guys that he's brought in and just kind of scratch your head a little bit. And all signs are pointing to Will Levis because Will Levis is, he has a strong arm. He's a good athlete. And these NFL teams love the way he approaches the game. They view him as a guy that they can bring in. He's a pro-ready quarterback. Bring him into an NFL team. He can run it day one. He kind of did it in college. In 2021, he ran an offense for Liam Cohen. Liam Cohen went to be the Rams offensive coordinator in 2022. And that's actually the best Will Levis looked. Will Levis played his best quarterbacking in an NFL system. So the NFL teams do appreciate that. They do like his athleticism. They do like his big arm. But if you're Indianapolis... You said it. They need the help. If you're bringing in Will Levis for his pro readiness, I don't think the Colts are a pro ready team. The Colts don't really have anybody. They've been a consistent franchise the last couple of years. They've been a competing franchise. They haven't really pulled the plug and tank. But if you look at their roster right now, they only have 30 guys under contract for next season. For the 2024-2025 season, the only teams right now with less are the Bears, Bengals, Chiefs, Seahawks, and Rams. And four of those five teams are set up for the future in some way. I, the Bears, Bengals, Chiefs all have franchise quarterbacks. The Seahawks have a ton of picks. Maybe potentially will land a franchise quarterback this year. And the Rams just won the Super Bowl. They're going to rebuild, but they did just win the Super Bowl. The Colts don't really have anything Seven of those 30 guys are offensive linemen. Four of them are tight end. That leaves 19 guys to fill the other 17 positions. I just, if Will, if your argument for bringing in Will Levis is he's a pro ready guy, he's going to help you compete right away. He's going to just step in and be a winning quarterback from day one. I don't know who he's going to be pro ready with. The Colts don't really have future guys. They have a couple of studs, Shaq Leonard, Quentin Nelson, DeForest Buckner's there. The offensive line is really solid, but Top to bottom, this roster, I think, is headed more for a rebuild than it is for competing and trying to win right now. And that's sort of why you would bring in Will Levis. So I actually don't know if Will Levis fits the timeline for this team. But regardless, I would rather have their other quarterbacks over Levis anyways. But the Colts need to kind of rebuild, right? Like the Colts' roster is low-key kind of bleak. It is. It is. It has been the last couple of years. And, you know, bringing in the veteran quarterback who's played decently the last couple of years, you know, has kind of masked that. You guys have been kind of average, but nothing really long term. And looking up and down your roster, I don't really see a reason to bring in a quarterback. You know, you Gardner Minshew is okay for a season, you know? I mean, if, if you don't get... if I mean, I don't... You guys, if you don't have C.J. Stroud or 
uh, Bryce Young fall to you, then I can definitely understand passing up on those guys for something to build around the team. And I mean, looking at just the line, the whole whole team as a whole, it's it's not looking too great. There aren't a lot of Pro Bowlers here. Um, definitely not necessarily a Super Run, Super Bowl run incoming. So it, it's mostly a question on a superstar, which super CJ Stroud right now. It seems like his ceiling isn't super high. People are kind of worried. They know he, you know, his floor seems really high. They people are saying, you know, he'll be a solid prospect, but not maybe not a superstar. So unless you take a chance, maybe with Quentin or not Quentin Richardson, I don't one hundred percent. I mean, I agree with you. There's definitely other places in the roster that need to get rebuilt. And, you know, right now, the whole roster as a whole, it doesn't really make sense to bring in a quarterback, kind of like the opposite of the Jets, where you have those pieces, and then you bring in the quarterback, you make the big move. And so it seems like right now, you guys just need to get the pieces, develop them all together, and then then really be on the hunt for the QB. What are the What are the chances that this is just a smokescreen for a trade back situation because Will Levis is viewed highly amongst these NFL teams. It's not just the Colts. The Colts might like him a lot, but I think there's other teams that would also enjoy getting their hands on Will Levis, bringing him in, trading up for him potentially. The Cardinals at three have been the team that is most likely to trade up of any of these top five teams. Again, the Panthers traded up, so they're set. Houston's going to stay at two. The Seahawks are probably not going to trade back from five. Odds are they would stay at that position and pick from there. But the Colts maybe are throwing this out there for some bait. If another team loves Will Levis, maybe they have to jump up. Or if they just are looking to move, maybe they'd want to move up and get that number three pick anyways. I personally right now, and I say right now, we're 24 hours out out from the NFL draft, but... I think I have CJ Stroud as my QB one. I know some of the testing stuff has come out recently. The last month with the combine and the pro days and the interviews, his stock has kind of fallen. There may even be a CJ Stroud slide that happens on draft night, but I thought just his college career, his production, it was an insanely talented Ohio state roster, but that Georgia game aside, he was efficient all season. He, of all the quarterbacks in of all the quarterbacks in the draft, he just understands quarterbacking the most. He understands ball placement and just these real intricate little details of quarterbacking. Bryce Young is an amazing quarterback as well. We'll get into more of this stuff, I think, next week when we talk about the NFL draft. But CJ Stroud, just combination, size, strength, and just technical ability from the quarterbacking position. If the Colts wanted to to go with quarterback in this draft. I would rather have Stroud over Levis. I would rather have Richardson over Levis too. Richardson's athleticism and upside, I think just outweighs Levis's. And I think they're both similar yeah. as well. Levis is low key, kind of a dual threat quarterback, but is there any chance that this Levis thing is a smokescreen and that Ballard maybe tries to trade back on draft night? I mean, when looking at quotes, out of the Colts camp, it seems kind of like they might be. I mean, they're Ursay mentioning, you know, the decision. People think the decisions are made, you know, but it's not really. Ballard saying he doesn't know who's making these reports. He's not making these reports. So it seems like it's not really set in stone. 
They're still, you know, they're still keeping their cards close to the chest. And I mean, anything, honestly, with, I think they should just go with the best player available. Mm-hmm. And that probably, if, if there's Stroud there or Bryce Young somehow falls one, I definitely think you they should seriously consider taking them. But if if not, if they're both gone, you know, maybe the Cardinals finally bring someone to push, uh, to push Kyler Murray, then I, I definitely could see you guys taking the best player on the board moving out and and it's probably the best move honestly because this team is far from uh winning serious games and winning division and or you know really being a playoff contender and bringing a quarterback into this situation which you know your all line has some pieces still but bringing a quarterback in this situation might be you know not great for their career taking all those l's and um yeah we'll, we'll have to see but it's it's definitely one of the top storylines going into the draft maybe the number one if they were to take best player available they would end up with Jalen Carter I think everybody in that top 10 range every NFL fan secretly wants Jalen Carter there have been some major red flags obviously that have emerged with him he's been involved in some off the field incidents that you would just not want any person to be involved in obviously some just unideal situations and there's also maybe some work ethic questions that have been raised in the pre-draft process some questions about his drive in practice. But if you, but his impact in these games, his athletic ability, the way he just destroys and moves people at the college level, just having a guy like him to anchor your defensive line. You think having like Chris Jones for your chiefs teams, Aaron Donald, obviously ranked anchoring the Rams super bowl team in 21 Fletcher Cox, for the Eagles in 2017 was an integral part to that team. I think Jalen Carter, you think Richard Seymour would be maybe like a comp for Jalen Carter. Richard Seymour was on the defensive line on that new England Patriots teams in the early two thousands when Brady was first kind of coming into his own. And if you pair Jalen Carter with DeForest Buckner with Shaq Leonard, I think that's an interesting team. And I think with the O line as well, being kind of the one unit that's in place for this team long-term, you have a solid O-line, you have the young defenses in p- place, and you're bad one more year. I Caleb Williams is, I think, next year, in next year's draft, a generational-type quarterback prospect that anybody should want to get. I think the Colts would be much better suited to try to get Caleb Williams next year, go a different direction, a quarterback this year. And just add to the team, Jalen Carter would be the best player on the board, but I don't, it just does not seem like the Colts are going to take him. They haven't even had him in the building for an interview. And Ballard, with just the off field concerns, is just going to avoid a guy like Jalen yeah. Carter. But the fact that he's not going to fall out of the top 10 says something about his talent because you think about some talented guys in the draft that have fallen with this stuff. I mean, Laramie Tunsil fell to what, 13 for yeah. a bong hit? Like, definitely not reckless driving. And he fell out of the top 10. Jeffrey Simmons fell to 19. Robert Kimdichie fell to 29. He obviously barely played in the NFL, but very talented coming out of high school and college. Jalen Carter will go in the top 10. He's insanely talented, but Ballard, Ursay, they loved that Will Levis handshake. They loved the preparation. They loved the good film. And the, I mean, you know, he's, he's a hard worker, good handshake, good meeting type of guy. NFL teams love his demeanor and 
the Colts have always prioritized these professional type quarterbacks. So he checks the boxes there. But again, I just think there's more talented players on the board. And I think even just this year, maybe going quarterback, maybe just going a different direction might be the best idea for the Colts. They did it. They did it when Ballard first got there in 18. It was his second draft in. They traded back. They drafted Quentin Nelson that year. And that really set them up for the next couple of years. Luck retired. Obviously, it didn't work out, but it was the right move at the time. And I think maybe this year with a questionable quarterback class and with the prospects in the future as well, the prospects, they look really nice like Caleb Williams. I think maybe just adding to the roster around the quarterback is the move for this team, even though it's not going to be Jalen Carter. Sadly, I'm going to have to watch him go to another team. Yeah, and you know it is actually kind of crazy how how high Jalen Carter is with all those issues. I mean, mm-hmm. you know him still hanging around in there, um, in in that you know top ten part when the when when the news came out, you know almost everyone kind of agreeing that he was going to fall out. Maybe even the first round, I saw some areas, but him sticking around. I mean, that's that's wild and. You know, it's gonna be it's it's gonna be really interesting. I I definitely think that a good play would probably be trading out of that pick if they get to if the draft in the draft for the Colts if they get to four and no one really who they want is around there. Um, there's probably someone who'll definitely take that draft pick. But you know, we we had to do the check in check on y'all. You know, with the Chiefs, um, we just need a little bit of maintenance. I mean, we don't have any. We don't have Frank Clark or. Harlow's done lap, so looking at edge probably. Um, also, Wiley is gone, so right tackle, maybe some safeties. But, you know, our team is mostly – we're mostly together. You know, like we mentioned, Carlos uh, has played really well this past year. And with Orlando Brown gone yeah. and Wiley, you know, we do need to – still need to shore up that O-line because, you know, we can't keep – we've already seen uh, what happens when we try to get rid of every when we ignore that part of the team so um yeah it's definitely uh definitely something that's going to be on our minds i mean with it with i usually with the chiefs we find someone slips down there i mean you know we can we can throw names out there but honestly it's you know when you're drafting at 32 you know 63 in the second round you know you take who you can get it's just best player available and we'll see i mean it's mostly development that goes in with those guys. Yeah, Juwan Taylor was the one who we brought in over left tackle. So hopefully he can make up, you know, for losing some of those pieces that we lost this past year. Um, Trey Smith. And, you know, Creed Humphrey had a great year this past year uh, yeah. as a center. I think he graded out as the best center or top, top three in there, PFF. Um, really loved his numbers. So we just need guys to step up again and run it back, I guess. So. Is there any chance if one of these receivers fall to you? You guys have never, you haven't really taken a receiver this highly. Yeah, I mean, you took Sky Moore in the second last year, but yeah. Karloftis and McDuffie were both picked last year before you invested in receiver. Some of the guys, like you said, some of the needs on this team with right tackle continuing to invest in the defensive line. There could be guys there that you take at the end of the first round, but Quentin Johnston is like a, a menace. He's a physical machine. He destroyed Michigan in the college football playoffs. Jordan Addison could be there as well. Jalen Hyatt, just some real like athlete guys, some insane potential pieces you could add into 
this offense bring in to put around Pat Mahomes? Is there any chance if one of these receivers fall to you that you think the Chiefs get tempted by that? Add Quentin Johnston? Because, I mean, you've even brought a couple of, I'm in for, I think, some of the visits, some of the top 30 stuff. You've done your due diligence and your homework at that position. I, You know, the smart thing to do would be to, like you said, offensive line, defensive line, these premium positions. but Or even running back as well, too. Jameer Gibbs, if he falls to 30, 31, 32, where you guys are picking. Because I think the Dolphins don't have their picks. So it's the draft is messed up this year. Yeah. You're actually drafting 31. But end of the first round, Jameer Gibbs. How excited would you be if you guys went offensive weapon with your first pick? Yeah, it would be it would be interesting. We also had, I think, Clyde Edwards Alaire in 2019, mm-hmm. I want to say, right? I think that was the draft. He was the first rounder, and you know, that hasn't worked out too well. So, you know, and we've had a little mixed bag with taking offensive players that early. But, you know, looking at the the wide receivers that are out there, this would be actually a good class for us to pick up one of the best um from the class because they're they're gonna drop. I mean, they're it's not one of the better classes, but you know, still, still some value guys in there. Um, you know, there's also Jalen Hyatt. We'll see. Um, the one I've named, I've heard that's really been pushing up is Zay Flowers. You know, yeah. a lot of a lot of good stories from him. Shorter guy, which you know Mahomes has played well with. You know, shout out Tyreek Hill. Sky Moore showed up in the postseason last year, so mm-hmm. he would be also an interesting guy that you know would would work in our kind of offense. Um, and I mean, he's probably one of the names for certainly, obviously, you know, yeah, like maybe Smith and Jigba, that'd be wild. You oh, know, maybe, there's not a chance if he drops, you know, not a chance. yeah, Quentin Johnson, you know, he might not drop either, but Quentin Johnson, know, he might be there. There's a we'll chance see. for Johnson. Jackson we'll and Jigba, no way. Yeah. Hey, look, look, we can hope. One can hope, you know, and he, he would be the like Golden State Warriors, you know, team up. You guys, before. don't you guys have leftover picks from the Tyreek Hill trade, though? Could you get aggressive? Move up, maybe? I mean, you can't draft all these guys and bring them in. Your draft class last year was pretty loaded. You're going to have to consolidate. What if you move up, maybe? I don't know if you can move up as high to get Jackson Smith. He's going to go pretty high, but is there a chance? I mean, I think we'd have to get pretty serious indications that, you know, he would want to come or, you know, it would, it would, we could make it happen. You know, looking at our depth chart, we do need, I, I think, I personally think we do need a number one wide receiver because as much as I love Tony, you know, he's definitely injury prone. He was in and out last year. Um, we couldn't rely on him. So, you know, getting a, Young star would be great, obviously. But yeah, Smith and Jigba is probably going to go earlier than we can get him for. And, you know, it, it would be a lot for, you know, a wide receiver who, you know, is, is you know, one number one prospect. He's definitely shown stuff in college, but, you know, he's not. Quentin Johnston is the guy that he, his best plays, just because of his size, speed, athleticism. His best plays are maybe the best plays of any receiver in the draft. Just like who has the best highlights, the best, most explosive game breaking plays. Quinton Johnston probably has that. And the Chiefs just adding that to the team. Bigger, more explosive, better souped up Marquise Valdez Scantling, basically. Bring in Quinton Johnston. Addison, maybe there's some pedigree there. But I think with his size concerns, you never know what the Chiefs would do. 
Johnston's, I think, peak would be the most interesting receiver. He's the one guy I think you would be tempted by. Gibbs, the running back, would be an interesting choice as well, too, just because teams have him so highly on their board that if he was there at 31, that might just be the best value getting him at the end of the first round. But you guys, I I, I think you guys do the smart team, smart thing, right tackle. Anton Harrison will be there. Somebody will fall. One of these offensive line prospects will be there. You guys will make the right decision. It's why you are the Kansas City Chiefs. But Quentin Johnston would be like, I think, just the most chaotic, all hell breaks loose scenario for the Kansas City Chiefs in the first round. And I mean, he is the size and kind of guy we do need. You know, I, th- I think the main issue people are mentioning was his route running, you know, some of his you know, finer, finer skills. But, you know, it, we do need a bigger wide receiver to balance out the kind of guys we have. Um, we could, I mean, you know, more of a possession kind of guy. When you look at the guys, you know, Valdez Gantling's more of a speed type. Uh, Tony, he has been our possession guy, but like we mentioned, in and out, Sky Moore, smaller guy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I definitely think we should. You know, if we can get a solid, you know, top two, three wide receiver from this draft class, I definitely think we should go for it just because of how important it could be down the line. The rest of the team is still we still have solid plays players in each of the areas of the team. So far, the young players have stepped up. and We'll get another year of them. So not too worried. And it's Mahomes, but we still always got to keep giving him his weapons as the league keeps pushing these offenses to score more and more. So. We'll make sure to have a whole breakdown next week. Um, our grades, what we, I mean, something's bound to happen. Something crazy is bound to happen. But now it's time to get through my five pages of notes on this playoff, uh, on these playoffs. Get get comfy, y'all, because we're going we're going through all of them. All of them are all interesting, and you know, it was one of the more boring series that I put further in the rundown, but, you know, in the sake of, I'm, I'm a newsman at heart, and so we always got to start with the breaking news. And so we may may not have as much to talk about with this one, but, I mean, maybe still interesting. Happening a couple minutes ago, we're recording Wednesday night. The Cavs get eliminated, get the gentleman sweep in five. Knicks handle business at home. At home? Was it at? No, it wasn't. It wasn't clear. On the road. I think it was- Oh, yeah, it was in Cleveland. Uh, without Julius Randle in the second half, the Cavs don't have enough to come back and win. I think Julius Randle, he had a sprain, something. I think it was somewhere in his – it was either his knee or legs. I was seeing the uh, notifications. Shout out the score. Yeah. He – yeah, re-injuring his ankle. That was that hmm. was what was going on. He went to the locker room at halftime. Did not come back, but it's not enough. I. It, I mean, Rem, are you are you happy you're not living in New York City? Like, they must be going wild right now. Like, they they were up what two, three games on the Hawks? Yeah, two games on the Hawks, and they were going crazy. Now they've actually won a playoff series. I mean, it, I just seeing the videos from the New York. It just reminds me that the Nets can never top them. Well, how revolutionary now does this Brunson contract become? Because they get Brunson in free agency. In what seems to be a weak free agents class, he produced in the playoffs, but the body of work up until that point, it just, it wasn't a lot. It's not that it wasn't good. It just, it wasn't a lot. He produced in the playoffs. The Knicks float him a big paycheck 
he has proven and earned his paycheck this year. He has been outstanding. He he has carried him to the second round of the playoffs, despite the fact, like you said, Julius Randle has been dealing with injury. He's been out, and when he's been in, his numbers have not been good. He's just, it's been a struggle for him with that injury that he's been fighting through. And Brunson's contract gets cheaper every year of the deal. He was a guy who we thought was overpaid when he initially got his deal. But it's like, hey, this guy is actually going to be cheaper in the future than he is now. So even going into the offseason, it's a little weird. Or even going into the season before he produced, it's a little weird to call him overpaid long-term just because that contract is so weird. It'll be interesting to see if teams structure contracts like that in the future because, I mean, you know, you get the same amount of money if you're a guy, Brunson, four years, 100-plus million. It's what he wanted at the end of the day, but it's team-friendly. It's one of those things like the Mahomes deal where he stretches his money out over the NFL that maybe maybe guys will copy that. Garoppolo had a similar deal when he went to the 49ers. He front-loaded his contract. NFL teams haven't quite copied that yet, but I like this Brunson contract. I like how it's structured. I like that they'll be paying a guy who will probably be better now than he is better then than he is now. And they'll be paying him less in the future. And he's maybe having the best season that any Nick has had in the 21st century. Shout out Jalen Brunson. I mean, I thought, I thought the Cavs were going to come in here and take care of the Knicks, but Brunson now proves that he has Donovan Mitchell's number back to back years. Send him home. Wow, that's that's a very good point. That is a very good point. And it is funny that you bring up Donovan Mitchell because in a closeout game, game, oh, they don't have his stats up. Okay, we'll talk about game four. I still need to look up. I think I think he played better this game. But game four, uh, Mitchell had 11 points, I think two points in the second half. And when you look at the Cavs, the reason they brought on Mitchell was literally for these moments, for these games. It's kind of interesting when you see Jamal Murray across the pond. You know, we remember their battles in 2020, and Jamal is still, he's 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 back to where he's at, and he's coming off of his injury from, from a year ago, or I think two years ago. But Mitchell, I, I, I don't know. I haven't really seen him really choke like this. I, I thought from watching him with Utah, he was really a consistent scorer. And, you know, is it, it I definitely think he's faced some de- solid defensive teams. It's not like the Knicks are, you know, the bad, the Detroit Pistons here out here. But I mean, do you think it's something mental? Is it something Knicks are doing? Why, why uh, is Mitchell kind of folding here? And, you know, probably one of the biggest reasons why they were the first, team to score i think under 80 this year or it was definitely a fewest and a half this year some some record they bring in mitchell like you said to score he's going to be the lead shot maker on this team but i just wonder if he can do it and with his style of play if he can just if he can turn into a guy that can be an aggressive offensive player that plays in an offense with some more continuity that's not as focused on him being so ISO heavy, so ball movement heavy. Because in that game two, when Garland's more involved, when the ball's moving, Mitchell, 17 points, 13 assists is probably not a stat line that you could extrapolate out long-term for Donovan Mitchell. But 
Donovan Mitchell not having to score as much and play make a little bit more are both things I think you would I would want to see next year in Cleveland. Mitchell getting away from this hero ball stuff, getting Garland more involved and just playing a part of this offense. I mean, Mobley and Allen are going to have to develop. That backcourt is going to need to grow as well. But I, w- I wonder if Mitchell can get away from the hero ball stuff because, I mean, we look at him now. He's 26. He's not obviously an older player. He's still on the upswing of his career, but he's getting into those peak years. He's getting into the, okay, now we're at sort of the peak of our powers. We're really gearing up for who we are as an NBA player. And the rest of this team is young, but Mitchell has had those playoff battles. He's played in almost 40 playoff games at this point. He's eighth in career, seventh or eighth in career playoff points per game. So he's a playoff veteran. And to come up short like this in these playoffs against a team that I thought they had a chance to beat, the Knicks won the regular season series against them. And that probably should have been a sign headed into this series. But I just thought with the Cavs' defensive dominance in the regular season, some of the numbers that they put up, and Mitchell scoring, you bring that in, you combine those two things. I thought it was set, but if you don't have Mitchell scoring, then you're not going to be in good shape if you're Cleveland. And I just wonder if next year offensively, they might have to change a couple of things of how they do it going into next season. Yeah, and like you mentioned, um, Mitchell, a consistent playoff score. Before this series, you know, he, he had average. 28 points, you know, 43% from the field, um, 36 from three. And, you know, counting, taking out that 38-point game, which he lost, by the way, um, he averaged less than 20 points a game. Uh, don't really have the averages because they haven't thrown in this last game for for uh, Mitchell. But it definitely – it was uncharacteristic is the point. Is uh, his – this is the story scoring back because just even with – his even if it's not really efficient for the team, his aggressiveness. I mean, he's still gonna get his points no matter what. And I think that's kind of what the Cavs were counting on. That's kind of what they needed um with this team. And it's it's definitely gonna be interesting this next season to decide what to do because I mean, how looking at Mitchell, he's supposed to be their number one guy. Like you mentioned, he's been through these battles, he's he's gone through it. And just kind of falling apart here uh, at 26 years old. You know, he's entering his prime career. I mean, this is just not supposed to happen. And, you know, Dar- Darius Garland, of course, took a step this year. You know, he could be a solid. He's going to he's going to continue to grow these next couple of years. Um, but, you know, he's kind of supposed to be the second option. And, you know, even this postseason, he, I mean, he was still underwhelming. And my main worry is that is Mobley gonna grow into a two-way guy long term like he was a serious contender for defensive player of the year i think people were really like i mean there i think there were serious people who were gonna actually put him as their guy for a defensive player of the year and you know he he had a great season on that side of the ball but his scoring is just it's hard to watch sometimes it's hard to watch a lot i and he looks like he should be scoring more than he, he has been. Like his shot looks smooth. Like his mechanics, there doesn't look like there's huge issues, you know. And but it's just it's just not going in. And maybe he'll turn it on next year. Maybe we'll see a jump. But I'm getting a lot of, you know, like we mentioned, Bam out of bio vibes where 
we think there's this huge ceiling, you know, but I don't, I'm kind of worried about his development. So with him underperforming, you know, Darius Garland, you know, he is, he's more, he reminds me more of CP3, more of a game. He could control the game, not necessarily a scorer for himself, but he'll, he'll do it if he has to, but that's not his game. And then Mitchell taking this huge step back, obviously you have to run it back, but this is definitely a, a very big bump in the timeline for the Cavs. And I wonder if Mobley just unlocks a bunch of his game by getting in the weight room this season, getting on the Giannis bulking routine, adding just a ton of muscle because he has all these elements to his offensive game. Like you said, you went and saw him in in person this year. You mentioned his handle is underrated. It's very impressive for a guy his size, bringing the ball up the court on the break, his ability to handle the ball. The mechanics are good. He has these other, he has these pieces of his offensive game in place. But if he was able to just get stronger, one on defense, it would help him out with rebounding, with challenging guys in the paint. But I think his confidence, just with his game being a stronger player, I think it would grow his confidence. I think it would help his shot. Your shooting is basically a mental thing, it's confidence and his ability to just get to the rim as well. Like, yes, Mobley needs to be taking threes, but Giannis didn't develop his game by becoming a point guard, by expanding his perimeter game. That's what they wanted him to do when Jason Kidd was there when he first got there. That's not, I don't think, the move for Mobley to continue to like add these things to his offensive package. I think this season for Mobley, get in the weight room. I think it will expand his confidence. And I think once Mobley gets more confident, I think it could be like a Lowry marketing type thing for him where marketing going into this year, he said it himself. He he's known his entire NBA career that once he just finds confidence in his game, he can be the player that he knows he can be. And Mobley's a different player, obviously the marketing different skill sets, all that. But I think there's a confidence thing there with Mobley that we, we just saw him get bullied. We saw him get pushed around this playoffs. I think, Going in, getting in the weight room, I think, would make him a more confident player. And I think him being a more confident player would be the most important thing I could think of for his development going into next season. Because like you said, Mobley and I think his growth and his two-way ability is the secret to unlocking this team going forward and the way Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland kind of played this season I or in this playoffs, I think kind of proved that for the Cleveland Cavs. Yeah, and... With, with Garland and with all of them, I mean, Garland, I think, just signed a recent contract. They have Mitchell the next couple of years, and then Mobley they should bring back. So, obviously, these guys will get a couple more chances at it, you know. Um, but, you know, it, it just seemed like looking from last year to this, you know, bringing Mitchell in, you think they could win around against a team that's essentially the same with Jalen Brunson, though. So, it, both teams brought in their free agent to pretty much maximize their team, get beyond the first round. And it's one of the things that sucks in the playoffs is that one team is going to have a bad season and one isn't. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, someone's going to lose out. And we're going to see probably something similar. We'll talk a little bit about the Celtics, you know, (laughs) having their hiccup. But chances are they should handle the Hawks. And the Hawks, and it'll be Celtics 76ers in that next round, who we'll also talk about. But... You know, one of them is going to lose that second round, and that's going to be also disappointing for them too. 
So, it, you know, it, it's, you know, we, it'd be, it'd be the same thing with the Knicks. It's just, there's, you can lose and then you can really lose. And these games weren't necessarily close. Not scoring a hundred points in an NBA game is kind of, it's just, that's, that, that just can't happen. That just can't, you got to hit a hundred. Like it's not only that they didn't, um, that these games weren't the closest. I mean, even watching, you know, I was watching a little bit of this game here on the side and, you know, they didn't really cut the lead to like two or three at the end of this elimination game. And it was still below a hundred. Um, they had 93 points, uh, in game four, 90, uh, 79 in game three, and then 97 in game one. So, I mean, the Knicks also, you know, they weren't super scoring. It wasn't super scoring games as well. So, you know, there is, it was a little grit and grindy, but considering that the main reason you brought Mitchell in is to score and he has a track record of that and he can't do it in this team. You know, it starts to maybe wonder, is, is it even Mitchell or is it more of the team offense? Do they need an upgrade from J.B. Bickerstaff? Um, you know, it, do they need to move on from the coach? Because this team has the talent. It's just they didn't. I mean, outside of Garland and a little bit of personal development, they didn't, really didn't take a next step when they really should have had these games at least closer and been more scoring, which was their same problem last year. Like, it's a young team. I think this core of guys going forward is going to be contending. But like you said, the coaching staff may be the one questionable thing that gets sacrificed in the offseason. We'll see. J.B. Bickerstaff, I know when he was hired there, he's done a good job, but his resume going into that Cleveland job, a lot of people were wondering why that hiring happened in the first place. But he has gotten this Cleveland team to perform. This is the basically the best LeBron, non-LeBron season they've had this century. It was a success, I think, getting into the playoffs, being the four seed. I think, like you said, taking a step back and looking and going, hey, we're headed in the right direction for the first time as a franchise without LeBron James. I think that is a good thing, but I think they did have a chance to beat the Knicks in the playoffs. I expected it. They were the favorites going in. RJ Barrett has played well in this series, though. Jalen Brunson, like we said, is balling. Barrett, 8 for 12 from the field in game three, 9 for 18 from the field in game four. Didn't shoot well from three, but good from the field for him. And I think he had another efficient game tonight as well in the closeout game. Almost 20 points per game the last uh, three games for him there. So him turning his performance around two when he's been struggling, getting to the free throw line has been good for this Knicks team. And what amazing for the Knicks that for the second time in this century, they're able to advance past the first round. <laughs> Shout out. Shout they're out. Finally, finally won a playoff series. Yeah. I think there was like, like we mentioned their first playoff road win since like forever. So, you know, it is like, like we've mentioned before, it's best for basketball when the big teams are winning, you know, you get the best fan bases or, you know, definitely the loudest. And, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, if I'm the Cavs and, you know, you're not 100% sure about your coaching staff and, you know, if, if it's starting to look a little south, you know, I would have maybe sent a text message to Ime Doka, you know, said, said what's Ooh. up, you up, you know. But now he's gone. It's too late. It's too late. But imagine if he had gone there. I, I That would have been interesting. Um, Some other coaches out there, I think, 
Kenny Atkinson still doesn't have a team. I think he's he is on a team, I think as an assistant, but he's still out there floating. Um uh Mark Jackson is not coming back. Frank Vogel, you know, there's some there's some names out there, you know, bring Terry Stotts back from the dead, who knows? But <laughs> I definitely it's it's definitely a tough, tough loss for them. But they'll bring it back. They should be better next year and give them uh more time with Mitchell and we'll see how they develop. We'll have to we will have to see. Now, actually, following our actual rundown, um, one of the teams, another team that got eliminated, another team that had another disappointing season, our end to their season, the Clippers are out of the playoffs. Uh, Suns finished them off in five. Uh, and the only reason why they even, it wasn't a sweep is because of Kawhi, who didn't play the last three games. Had a right knee contusion. Am I right? Let me let me scroll on over there. Uh, yeah, he had a torn meniscus in the right knee, and it's the same knee that he tore his ACL in last year, yeah. and the same area where he got diagnosed with the right quad injury, which led to him only playing nine nine games in that 2018 season. Led to the trade in the Spurs. So his his right leg just doing him bogus. Last four seasons, when you look at Leonard has or not last four seasons last five seasons has played 161 games but it's last five seasons you missed one of them because he was out for that ACL injury mm-hmm. so about 54 games a season and you know obviously his talent is obvious we we saw game 1 you know when you need him he's there and you know I don't we'll chill out on the Stephen A stuff I don't think he's the worst superstar he's definitely a headache but I don't think he's the worst superstar ever but does it make sense to keep him long term, him and Paul George, with their injury history, and you're only getting uh, like a you know two thirds of a season with them playing when they do play, and there's low management and all that? Shout out to Stephen A. I think the Kawhi forced to retire take is maybe the best take that's been on the show in a while. The Windhorst fingers iconic moment from the show, but insider information it was if we're just talking straight up takes Stephen a in the lab give me an iso Stephen a the best one-on-one take master in the game still good to know that he's got it but if you if you look into the numbers and you see what he's trying to say Kawhi Leonard has not been reliable as a superstar the last handful of years and the load management thing has been the focus of his career it's been the big what if it's going to be the big thing hanging over him. The big takeaway from Kawhi's legacy is going to be this load management stuff. It's not just that he hasn't been able to play full seasons. It's that he's just not out there in any kind of consistent. He's not out there consistently for any long stretches, not developing chemistry with any of his teams. He hasn't played 15 regular season games in a row since the 2017-18 season since that San Antonio season. He's only played double digits twice in a row in the regular season since then. He played 11 games in a row right before the shutdown, right before pandemic, right before Rudy Gobert touched all the mics. And then he played 13 games in January 2021. But besides the playoffs, he hasn't been out there consistently. He has played, and even last year, He played 11 playoff games before he got hurt. And then this season played 12 of the last 
13 games for the Clippers and then tore his meniscus. And you just wonder now, looking back at all that load management, looking back at the time he missed, if it wasn't just, you know, being careful with Kawhi, taking it easy, but is Kawhi's body even physically capable of making it through an NBA season? You don't want want to be too extreme. Is he forced to retire and all this stuff? But he has not been able to stay out there consistently. He has not been able to string together a number of games. And when we ramp up and we get in these high-intensity games and he's actually playing 10, 11, 12 games in a row as an NBA superstar, he gets hurt. And it's just sad that once again, this is the story of the Clippers season. Kawhi Leonard going down with injury. Same with Paul George. It's happened. It's happened before. And it's sad that it happened again this season. Yeah. And, you know, Paul George also, like you mentioned, both of them being out. I mean, it's, it's sad that it happened because the Clippers were actually competing in these games. Um, you know, giving, you know, going a little bit with what the Suns was going on. I mean, the Booker and KD are actually averaging, both averaging the most play, most playoff minutes in the league right now with KD at 43.8 and Booker at 43.2. So they're needing them out there. They're playing real minutes against this team that, you know, doesn't have their two stars, but is getting a lot of points from their bench. They're making it happen. And, you know, it's always what if with the Clippers. Um, even even back to, you know, when KD was in the Warriors, I think 2018, 2017, when they had, you know, all those pieces with Shea and all around them, and you're like, oh, what if one star consistently plays on this team? And then they do the huge trade, they get the players, and then they don't stay healthy. You know, they have one run in the bubble, and, is you know, they fall apart in game seven, so... It's it's been just such a such a roller coaster and it's just a whole lot of what ifs with this team, and makes you seriously content consider whether you know you do trade him, you know what you do with just him on the team. I mean, they're about to. I think one thing that was brought up is that they are about to finally move to their own arena, kind of move out of the shadow of the Lakers. So they kind of need someone to fill those seats, kind of need someone there. But, you know, next year he has a player or not next year, the year in two years, he has his player option, 48 mil right now at 45 and a half mil. I mean, I think if I'm the Clippers, you just tough it out. Like we mentioned with moving to that new arena, you just you have them there. Either you trade him next year or you just don't resign him because there's only it's only a short time left on his contract so i don't think it should be too big of an issue and you know you just you need a superstar still so but it is tough to see the clippers go out like this um even though the suns were playing great and the thing about Kawhi's season this year was it was still he was still missing games he still didn't have the total number of games like he had the last several seasons the last five six years but he was playing more in the second half of the year than I think he's played in any of the last couple seasons. If you go and look at his game logs, you can see him ramping up four games in a row, five games in a row, six games in a row. And just the fact that this is the probably the largest load he's carried in terms of minutes the last couple of years, this stretch since the new year, the fact that he did that and then got hurt in the playoffs after doing it again last year, it's just very concerning 
if you're going into these last two years, paying Kawhi such a big number. And he's missed so much time, in fact, since the 2017-18 season that he's played fewer minutes since then than Clay Thompson, who has missed two full seasons of NBA action. He's played less minutes than Lonzo Ball, who has never started 60 games in his NBA career. Less minutes than Lou Williams and Thomas Sadoransky, who are out of the league. He's played less minutes than them since the 2017-18 season. Less minutes than Anthony Edwards, who is in his third NBA year and less minutes since 2017-18 than Blake Griffin, who has done the roast of Alec Baldwin since 2017-18. So it hasn't looked good for Kawhi Leonard the last six years. And like you said, if they were to trade him, I wonder how bad it's gotten at this point, especially now you throw in the torn meniscus, another injury this late in the year, and who knows it, what his availability will be for the 2024 or the 2023-2024 season. So I went to the trade machine, Sam. I got a couple of fake trades. Oh, I can throw them at you. We can All see right. how bad the Kawhi Leonard thing has gotten. A little who says no Kawhi Leonard edition. If the Brooklyn Nets call the Clippers and say, we'll do Ben Simmons for Kawhi Leonard, who says no? Kawhi Leonard injured Torres meniscus may not play next year. You have to pay him 45 mil and then you get him on the player option 48 mil in 2024 or Ben Simmons. Who says no? I think that's one of the best trades we've heard on the pod. You know, definitely the most original. Um, I think, I don't know. I think the Clippers say no. I think they still, you know, it's they would want obviously more in the package. Uh, maybe they'd probably probably take Claxton. Maybe they could take, you know, Joe Harris or Seth Curry somewhere there. Maybe make the salaries match up a couple picks. But you know, if they throw more in the package, I think it would be an interesting thing. I think it would definitely be their blow it up kind of thing. Paul George and Kawhi are on similar timelines. Like we mentioned, they're also Kawhi or Paul George does have one more year next year and then the player option year after. So, you know, if you do blow it up, you could probably trade both guys. Um, And, uh, yeah, I think it'd be easier to pry, you know, obviously Paul George for Ben Simmons straight up. I think that would probably be a trade they could do. But, yeah, Kawhi, yeah, they would need to throw a little bit more for Kawhi. Yeah, maybe a young player, a couple picks, maybe one more, one veteran. But, That'd be a very interesting trade, and, uh, you know, the Nets would, could deal with another superstar who, you know, is going to give them headaches, and uh, the Clippers get a player who never plays it t- again. So, you know, they, they're trading problems, I guess. Joe Sai refuses to sleep. He loves the nightmares. He says, bring me, trade me Kawhi Leonard. Let me deal with all the superstar issues. So if it's not bad where it would go Kawhi for Simmons it probably wouldn't go Kawhi for Gobert then if Minnesota calls they offer Rudy Gobert for Kawhi Leonard no at least Rudy Gobert is available next year that's a hard pass there's there's no way I don't think either team would want to do that you don't want Rudy Gobert to punch Eric Gordon I don't you know I don't think like obviously, I don't. I don't think the the Timberwolves would want to take on someone who one takes the ball out of Anthony Edwards' hand. Who we're gonna talk more about? 
And two, you know, they're they're a young team. They just they just need someone to be out there. So I uh, I don't think so. But you know, that's an interesting. It is an interesting thought experiment. Two K, I'll do it in a second. Um, I don't know if the fit really makes sense for the Clipper or Clippers of getting bringing in Rudy. But you know, if it's the Timberwolves, I, I you know, if it's if it's two K, I'll do it in a second. But and no, if you're the Timberwolves, then you can get out of the last couple of years of Gobert's contract. Even if Leonard doesn't play next year, it's only two years of Leonard versus, you know, the Gobert extension. Another big contract guy, if this team wanted to potentially get out of long-term having to pay this guy too much money, if Washington calls and offers Beal... Oh, oh, I guessed it. Kawhi for Beal. Beal is 46 mil in... 2023 50 mil and 24 53 mil and 25 and 57 mil in 26 Kawhi, you could shorten the amount of money you pay when he's on the court he's a higher peak of a superstar and if you're the clippers you get a guy who's out there beal maybe maybe in a different situation can return to the sort of borderline all NBA, you know, third team, all NBA role. He was there in Washington before he got the extension, but Beal for Kawhi, who says no. Uh, I think Washington weirdly says no, um, because I, I think oh. Bradley Beal would actually be an interesting piece on the Clippers. They kind of like that guard, you know, shout out Norman Powell. They kind of like that guard, you know, scoring option. They're a solid defensive team, but that's not their focus. So maybe if they throw in, Bones Highland, who, you know, we might as well talk about. I am not a super huge fan of Bones Highland. Like, he had a rough series, but even before this, I kind of understand why the Denver Nuggets got rid of him. And his his his, uh, his stuff really showed up this year um, with, you know, or this series, this specific series against the Suns. Just... You know, it, it was like, he just seemed like it was a ball hog who wasn't doing much. And, you know, not much besides going to score and just took up a lot of shots. But, hey, if you send them, you know, Jackie McMullen's article from last year, I think she did it last year or two years ago, you know, send them some highlights, tell them not to watch anything from this series. Maybe they can convince them. But I think if the Clippers send him and like a second rounder if they have any picks left from all the other stuff you know maybe they send him and something else i think they could get the trade done uh for sure and yeah i i think it'd be washington but it, you could sweeten it a little bit and convince them and if they got bones highland bones highland led the nuggets in field goal attempts per 36 minutes almost 20 shots a game traded oh to the covers wait wait how many shots uh, I don't have the number pulled up, but it's 19 point something. It's almost almost 20 shots a game. That, that's wild. That's wild. Yeah. Like, like, let's take a moment. He's got Jokic, Jamal Murray, Eric, and Michael Porter, and Bones Highland. Anyway, you keep going. Sorry, but 20 shots is wild. Well, wild. Trade him to the Clippers. He's tied for first on the Clippers in shot attempts per 36 minutes. Tied with <laughs> oh Paul George, 18.6. So send Bones Highland to the Nuggets. He can lead the Nuggets in shot attempts. Or the, the Wizards. Or the Wizards? Yeah. No, I mean, sure. I mean, you know, he, he would be taking Bradley Beal's role there. You know, he can, he can yeah. take all those shots. Golly, man. He's just, it's just, it's just not it. Not efficient enough and too many shots. Um, One more. But, One more. 
Oh, one more. Okay, okay, okay. My bad, my bad. One more. This one, Cook. This one's kind of crazy. This one, honestly, this one might be the first ever turn the camera off. Like, I don't know. Oh, this one, oh, this, one, oh. this one's wild. The playoffs are not over yet. You know, it, we don't want to jump to conclusions with some of these teams. Who knows? But if it goes poorly and if one of these teams wants to get extreme, bring in an injured Kawhi Leonard for the upside. If the Warriors call and offer Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins for Kawhi Leonard and Terrence Mann, who says no? Poole, the contract, it's a lot, but he's a young guy. He can get a bucket in a playoff series. Kawhi, again, he was tore his meniscus in a knee. There is long-term questions, but at least just for next year and on this contract, he may not be available for the 23-24 season. Who knows what the timeline on that meniscus looks like. Poole and Wiggins, younger guys, guys that are available. Big money guys, though. The Warriors can shorten some of the stuff, maybe get out of some of the contract stuff, They mistakes they may make, bring in Draymond on a more team-friendly deal, reset the team long-term a little bit. Kawhi for Poole in a Warriors package. Who says no? Well, yeah, no, you definitely mentioned one right thing. That is probably the hardest turn the camera off take you had in a while. The war LeBron would go to the Warriors before Kawhi did. Um, the Warriors would just they would just probably delete the Wizards number after that. It, trading Jordan Poole, who's probably their only their only future right now. I mean, shout out Kaminga, but in terms of scoring, someone to actually take the reins from Curry. You know, he, while he's not the plan, future plan you want, he's kind of the one you got. And Wiggins, who arguably is their main X factor outside of Curry, will go into his crazy stats a little later. So, you know, it's it's their two players who are actually contributing from their young players. You know, Jordan Poole can sometimes shoot them out of games. But they're two players who are pretty much the difference makers outside of the big three and for a guy who's not played almost ever, really uncommunicative. I mean, last time they had a troubled superstar uh, who kept getting injured, you know, from their forward spot, you know, that he went, they did win a couple rings, but at least he played, you know, a couple seasons before he got injured and sat out and all that. And they're almost fighting with um, Draymond Green. So it would just mess up the culture and mess up the whole thing with the team. They're just fine right now. I mean, you know, we'll see what happens with the Kings. This, yeah, that game's ongoing. But it's, yeah, no, that's that's such a fast no. It's it's not even funny. I mean, it's it's just Kawhi, yeah, they're, they're two main players. I mean, that team up would be wild if he was healthy. You know, if this was like a Spurs situation where it's his first injury, you know, he's kind of, it seems like it's more with the team and, you know, you can do a little bit of, oh, if we bring in him here, it'll be fine. But we've seen a history of just him, you know, not really being communicative about his stuff. Not a great team player, you know, as much as, you know, we, we you know, shout out J.J. Redick for defending his guy. As much as, you know, it's on him of, you know, he's he cares about it. He's engaged. But, yeah, it's it's tough. I just, I, there that's such a fast no. And, you know, it's. You know, we, we we all have we all have misses. We all have bricks. You know, even Paul George hit this side of the back. 
support. So, you know, it's all good. Case, but um, if if this what was it? this would be if things went south for the Warriors, things have not gone south for the Warriors. Yeah, I mean, the Warriors could go on and win the title. We're in the first round of the playoffs. But yeah. if they were to get bounced in the first round, you look at the Jordan Poole numbers where he's 37% from the field, 23% from three in the short sample size that has been these first four games of the playoffs. And you just go, hey, maybe we don't want to pay him $20 million a year. And if you're the Warriors, you also don't really need Kawhi during the regular season. You have Steph and Clay, and you if you were able to get and bring Draymond back, you could potentially just hold and put pause on Kawhi until you get to the playoffs, unleash the winter soldier in the playoffs. And then you just have this insane core with Kawhi Leonard, who when, when he's at his peak, the numbers this year, he's an all NBA level guy when he is able to get out there. But like, this is, this is, this is crazy pills. This is nobody will ever hear this. The camera was off. People will never know, but if things Real go south enough. for the Warriors, I mean, I don't know. I, maybe there's a world where they just add this other crazy weapon. That's wild. I don't know. Hey, hey, hey look, you know, shots in the dark. Who knows? I don't think the Warriors would ever do it. And uh, yeah, but uh, who knows? But looking at the other team, someone who was cooking, something that we have mentioned, we've kept our eye on through the playoffs, and he's actually... You know, he's finished the series. Devin Booker is the alpha on this team. He is the guy. And, you know, they bring KD in. It's kind of interesting. We'll get into LeBron, too. But it is interesting to watch these older stars move into these role-player roles. You know, them off the ball. Kind of like less shots, that along the lines. And KD was still efficient. He still showed up. In the last four games, all wins, Booker averaged... An, 40 points, 7.3 assists, 6 rebounds on a scorching 61.6% from the field, 51% from three. He's literally hitting half his threes and 88% from free throw. Tops off the beautiful scoring series with 47, 10, and 8 in the closeout game. He just, I mean, he just went unconscious in the third quarter putting up 25 points, half of the Suns, 50 points in that quarter, outscored the Clippers on his own, 25-4. to four. And, Rem, like you say, like, sometimes you give me credit for being early on stuff, but you were all the way on this one. You put him a first-team All-NBA. I wasn't having it. So, you know, Rem, here's your moment. I mean, he's just he's just going ballistic right now, and they needed every single point. Well, All-NBA is different than this playoff series. All-NBA is a regular season award, and if you were doing the All-NBA this year like you were doing it for the future, with the rule changes, with some of the stipulations that are going to be put in place, Booker would not even be eligible for all NBA. So it's not that Booker wasn't in these conversations. It's not that Booker wasn't getting respected necessarily. It's just he didn't play the games. I personally think Booker is the second best guard in the league. I reflected that in my all NBA vote. And in these playoffs, he's had the luxury of going up against Russell Westbrook, who shout out to 538. They do a great job with their advanced stuff, their player projects, putting some numbers to players' performances. 
they have Russell Westbrook ranked the 232nd defender in the league out of 250 eligible defenders. Russell Westbrook has not been good on defense this year. Devin Booker has cooked him in the playoffs. And the Durant thing as well, too, it cannot be underestimated that there was no Kawhi Leonard for this game. Durant finally looked more comfortable on the Suns without Kawhi. Kawhi, just a menace defensively, has given Durant problems in his career in the past, has given LeBron's problems, is an all-time great defender. We'll see what Durant looks like going forward. I would assume he would emerge more like a number one, but Devin Booker being the number one on this team. And like you said, doing the defensive thing as well too, just flying around being basically the only son on this team that closes out on a three point shooter. He just, he can be the number one on a team with Kevin Durant in a way that a guy like Steph just couldn't be. Steph's a great team defender. Steph can be a solid guy. He just can't. And he just couldn't, especially at that point in his career, hold up one-on-one against guys defensively. Booker can. He can do a two-way thing better. And the scoring thing in this series was off the charts. The defensive effort was crazy. So, I mean, Booker for this season definitely, to me, solidified his spot. Second best guard in the league. I think we can say that with confidence. No, for sure. For sure. And, you know, when you look at these games, uh, you know, even with, all of that scoring in that last game, Clippers still fought back, had three straight threes, um, you know, made the game close, and then there were three turnovers, so they turned around and gave up the game. But I think there you can see a switch is flipped in this in this series. Um, because yes, like you mentioned, it's not a great team, but at the same time, you know, we look over the you look at other no other team besides the 76ers has swept anyone. And Handling business, you know, Denver gave up a game. All these other, all the other teams gave up a game. And, you know, even you just got to play who's in front of you. And that's why Miami is right now up 3-1, you know. They probably – looks like they're giving up this game against Milwaukee. We'll get into a little bit of that later. But, you know, Booker just played who was in front of him, just poured through him. And you can see in that very first possession of the game, um, it, it showed kind of that shift because it, the first – real playoff series run where they go to the finals, you know, Booker, he's still scoring, but CP three is kind of the one orchestrating the offense. And you can kind of see that now it's kind of all on Booker. I mean, he gives it to, in that first position, gives the ball to CP three, who tries to do a pick and roll, but he doesn't work. Throws it out to Booker, who just kind of stands there. And Durant is on the wing calling for the ball. He's like, the time is ticking. And Booker just ignores him, sets up his offense, you know, he totally, totally blows him off and, you know, goes in for a score. And Booker, you can see that growth. You know, we've known him to be a very talented scorer, very talented. But now he, you can kind of see him owning his time. And, you know, like we've mentioned on this on this podcast, you know, you got to get those playoff scars. And we'll talk about Anthony Edwards a little bit later. But he's put in his time, and you can really see him taking that next step into a Hall of Famer, which we all kind of knew. We knew he had the talent to be a Hall of Famer, but you kind of got to take that next step, and he really is doing it in this playoff series. And it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, it is worrying that this team and their depth, um, you know, when you look at the bench points, um, Clippers had averaged 37 while they only averaged 14, and they got 10 points in that one from their bench in that one loss. So 
that's going to be a big worrisome thing. Like we mentioned, Katie and Booker playing a lot, but it'll, it'll be also interesting to see, you know, how high of heights can Booker go in this next series? Because like we mentioned, if they needed every point against the Clippers, they're going to need even more against, you know, the offense that is Denver. Durant and Booker having to play this many minutes, having to do this per game, 44, 43 minutes a game. It's just historic. The amount of guys that have actually done that and successfully led their teams to a finals victory, it's very few. It's Shaq and Kobe in the early 2000s, Hakeem in the 90s. It just It's not a lot of guys. This is historic territory. And Durant as well, too. He's coming off an injury. The Kawhi thing, the defense, again, Kawhi, the defense on Durant, cannot be understated. Durant is going to have more successful playoff series in the future by default of not having to be guarded by Kawhi Leonard. But Durant and Booker are going to need help from their bench guys. They're going to need, you know, Torrey Craig is not going to be able to have these consistent shooting performances like this. We've already seen them like their Shamit has already been doing more closing lineup stuff on the team over Torrey Craig the last couple of games. They've already messing with their lineup. They already can't figure out who the fifth guy is to get this team long-term. The Nuggets are not the team to, to mess with in regards to depth. They're four guys. They know their lineup. They know who they want to throw out there. So hopefully they can get that figured out before a series with them. But the Booker-Durant minute thing, it's just, to me, it's a lot of minutes. It's the biggest question mark for this team in the second round of the playoffs. And we're getting into, with the Suns, we're definitely getting into the Warriors territory where you have, you know, that those where you need the bench to show up, but you don't really have that depth. And, you know, from the Suns, they're relying on, you know, Adam Rainwright to bring serious minutes. Um, Cameron Payne, whenever he comes back from injury, they need him. Like, seriously, like Bismack, Biombo, Londale's been playing minutes as well. It's definitely, it's definitely been worrisome, but it's even more worrisome how, you know, rough this team has been. They're superstars, even without Booker on the court. I mean, Booker has meant so much to them. When you look at the little bit of the on-off net rating for the players, uh, KD's net rating goes from 9.37 to 4.58 without Booker. CP3 is the most damning one going from 12.01 to negative 2.1 net rating without Booker. So, so far Booker has looked, you know, hundred percent. He looks fine. He's, he's running around, but you know, at some point he's going to get tired. And if he needs his, if, if they need him to be on the court at all times, I mean, that's just so many miles on him. You know, he's a young guy. He so far looks like he can take that load. And we're, we're, we're going to have to see, but he's definitely going to need help. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see if Katie, they're definitely, like you mentioned early, like they're definitely in that weird, not really having any chemistry mode, but they're going to have to figure it out in these next couple games because the difficulty is going to shoot away. It's going to be a lot higher level of difficulty level is going to be a lot higher against the number one team in the West. Speaking of the number one team in the number one in the team in the West, uh, uh, Nuggets close out the Timberwolves. Uh, give them the old mm-hmm. gentleman sweep. Um, and, um, you know, Anthony Edwards did all he could. I definitely watching Edwards 
his game, you know, it reminds me a, lot, a little bit of a throwback. Little MJ, little Kobe-like, you know, a lot of mid-range, a lot of follow-aways. You can see him pretty much having to drag the team. And, you know, he becomes the sixth youngest player to score 40 points in a playoff game, averaging 31, 5, and 5. And, um, yeah, you know, I mean, they 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 tried all they could, but it was pretty obvious. You know, they ran into the giant. Um, that usually happens with young stars. You know, they run into the great team. You know, Jordan with the Celtics, LeBron with the Pistons, Celtics as well. You know, they they run into the great teams and they just got to take their L's. And we'll see. We'll see him back, back next year. But it was fun to watch Anthony Edwards. You know, he had a rough playing games, but he definitely turned it on in this first round. The guy in that vein of player that you're talking about, Jordan and Kobe are obviously the top guys, the peak guys you could be. But the guy in the career that Edwards could hopefully not end up like would be and you know it's a hall of fame level career but tracy mcgrady was a guy that for most of his career was just never able to find himself on successful playoff teams from 2001 to 2008 peak tracy mcgrady years he was 29 points a game in the playoffs seven rebounds six and a half assists but never advanced past the first round of the playoffs and then the 08-09 season on the Rockets, he's only plays 35 games and is out. And then that season is the season they finally are able to win a matchup in the first round. And those Magic teams were just, they were horribly mismanaged. They signed Grant Hill when they signed Tracy McGrady. And Grant Hill got hurt. He just didn't play a lot for that team. It's unfortunate that it didn't work out. But they also just were trading first-round picks for no reason they were throwing them in trades that they shouldn't have been throwing in. That whole magic run was just a little awkward. They blew a 3-1 lead as well in the playoffs with Doc Rivers as a head coach. And in Houston, they just fell short in some tough first-round matchups as well. So, you know, 30 points a game. Tracy McGrady was a baller. Tracy McGrady would be a great career if you're Anthony Edwards. But Anthony Edwards has the ceiling, like you said, could be the number one on a title team type guy. So, Hopefully he's able to find himself in a situation where McGrady was just never able to land on the right team. Edwards is having those similar issues here in Minnesota with Gobert, with Towns, with some awkward fits with the superstars. But I think the thing to me that separates Edwards from McGrady is the leadership stuff with Edwards is just on a different level. You could see in that post-game interview after the win, the way he's hyping up his guys, the way he's talking about his teammates. I think he's just much more of a leader than a lot of these other guys are McGrady. And just, you know, even in the league right now, and Anthony Edwards is a true alpha player, but hopefully he's able to find himself in a team. T wolves or not. That is just able to be managed properly because Anthony wow. Edwards is a baller. He's too much fun to watch in the playoffs. I mean, these 30 point games in, against the nuggets, He's actually going toe-to-toe with Jokic out there, putting up a fight, giving them a real struggle. They took care of him in five, but some of these games, the Wolves were being pretty feisty. Anthony Edwards was doing everything. Hopefully, he's able to find a situation where that effort's able to pay off. He Wolves or not, you're trying to you're trying to scare a fan base here? Oh, hey, maybe. Trying to break news over here? Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I definitely, you know, you can definitely see 
a little bit of that leadership. I still think there's a lot of growing pains with him still, you know, mentioning with his diet, um, what he eats. Uh, he did also receive a third degree assault charge for chucking a chair after this game. So there's still there's still some Second off tapes. the court stuff. I think he can uh, clean up there. But it's not like he uh, has the best role models on this team. Uh, looking at the other stars, you know, Cat, uh, been in the league eight years, was drafted in 2015. And, you know, looking a little bit about his playoff history, he gets into the playoffs 2018 with Jimmy Butler, Wiggins, the older, older Jeff Teague, that team runs into Harden and Chris Paul. They get knocked out in five. And the first two games of that series, had a com- combined 13 points and average 15 and 13, 15 points, 13 rebounds, 27% from three. Then finally gets back in the playoffs last year uh, with with Edwards, D'Lo, Pat Bev, the whole, you know, crying. We've seen the video over and over. And they actually win two um, against the Grizzlies. They lose in six. Uh, they split the two home game series. Then at home, 1-1, Cat falls apart, has eight points. He did come back with 33 the next game in a W. I'll give him that. But um, also only 18 points at home in game six. And then you look at this year. They're out in five, and he averages 18 and 10, which is solid, but it's still significantly down from his regular season stats. Um, had a combined 22 points in his first two games. I mean, that just can't happen for your second option. And you look at the plus minus in each of the games, you know, when it's a one-time thing, stats can vary. But for each of the games, including their one win, it's negative 11, negative 9, negative 10, negative 7, negative 9. So effectively a negative 10 points when he's out there. I've been on the hill. The cat has been a losing player. I'm pretty sure he has a record for the most consecutive losses somewhere along those lines. I'm ready to trade a player. You know, does cat gotta go? Because I don't, I mean, Rudy Gobert, you're kind of stuck with, you're not really getting off of him. You already did like a huge trade. You know, you got, um, you, you know, you got, a lot of other, I think McDaniels, Jaden McDaniels, he's been gone for a little bit. Um, you know, you got rid of some of your other pieces. So, you know, I think Cat should be the guy to go. I think you can get decent value for him. And, you know, I haven't done the trade machine work, looked up teams. But, you know, if there's one big move, I think the the Timberwolves can make besides getting rid of Gobert, which I don't know who would take him. I think Cat, you know, he, he has shown consistently to be a losing player. And, you know, I think they need to move on from him. I think if you're a team and Carl Anthony Towns is available, I think you have to have a serious conversation about bringing him in. You do have question marks about him being a top dog, a number one. He's technically a number two right now. Who knows what level he is in Minnesota, but these are all young guys. These are all guys figuring it out for themselves. But Towns is 28, and offensively, he has proven that he can put up numbers and be efficient from the perimeter in a way that just big men don't put up shooting numbers that Carl Anthony Towns has over his career. He's just been prolific from there, from the three-point line, in a way that a big man has not. And I would just be interested 
I would want to talk about it if I was a team. I would be curious in seeing what the price would be because 28, you would hope for some more maturity on the court. He commits bad fouls, but he did have a possession at the end of this last game against Jokic where defensively he locked up. Jokic couldn't really know what to do. He had to make an awkward shorter shuffle pad. Aaron Gordon got it scored, but Towns made a good defensive play. And it's like, hey, that stuff is in there, like with Booker. You know, this a lot of this stuff is effort and having your head in the right place, being at the right place at the right time with defense, committing and actually trying. And if Towns can just sort of lock in on the defensive end and put those together with the efficient shooting numbers, I think there's kind of an interesting player there. I think if you're a team, you have to talk about it, but... I think those conversations will be had by teams. Cause like you said, I think the wolves might be interested in switching up this roster after this first round ex- exit. And it's going to be kind of tough to get his contract off. It's a pretty fat contract. This last uh, off season, he signed a four year, 224 million designated veteran player extension. So looking at the estimates right now, Looking like he'll be making 50 mil uh, in 2025, 54 mil, 26, 58 mil, and 27, and then gets up to 62 on a player option at 31 years old in 2028. And that's, I mean, that's a lot of money for, you know, a player that I guess that would be the prime of his career. Maybe, you know, there's still room for growth, obviously, with him. So, you know, maybe he is somewhere close there. That That is a lot, though, for Carl Anthony Towns, for not an outright, you know, superstar, you know, similar to other players in the league, like, you know, Curry and other guys. So uh, for, for a guy, you know, I don't, I don't know if anyone really considers a top three center. I mean, there's a lot of good centers now in the league, you know, not really pushing for all NBA kind of guys, so. That that is a lot. So well, they may have to swallow the cost and keep them, but um, as long as he stays out of Anthony's way, I think well, Ant's way, I think we'll be good. Uh, but it's it's just tough to see him kind of fall apart again. Um, and you know, huge contrast to Jokic, who was who was having a great, you know, pretty pretty great series. Um, had a second triple double of the series, 28, 17, and twelve in the closeout game. Eight career triple doubles. Um, in the playoffs, only Will has more with nine, so he'll probably time up sometime this soon. And I know when he had his first one in the series, there was a stat saying that like he has more than twenty-two other franchises in the NBA. So who knows where he's at right now, you know? And for fifth player in NBA history to have twenty-five, fifteen, and ten in a clinching game, uh, up there with LeBron James, Worthy Chamberlain, and Oscar Robinson. So. You know, just the contrast from a winning player, MVP level player to Cat, who has another disappointing, uh, disappointing postseason. Shout out to another winning player that was there for that game as well, or well, or, or for the game, the game uh, for victory in Minnesota. I think Caitlin Clark was courtside for that game. Oh, shout, shout out, out Caitlin Clark! I didn't realize Iowa celebrities had to go to Minnesota Timberwolves games. For the courtside, you know, hometown fan treatment. I guess the, I guess Minnesota, get your Iowa own celebrities. Wolves, Des Moines. I don't know. Yeah, there is a connection there, but 
Yeah. Stop stealing our celebrities. Caitlin Clark, Des Moines. She's an Iowa. Yeah, celebrity. Garza. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. They got them all. But anyway, well, well, we'll get into a little more of Nuggets Suns next round. But you know, it is really. I mean, they did handle business. Uh, there was a little bump in the road, but when you, I mean, when you look across on the other side of the bracket, those top seeds having huge issues with uh their guys. Um, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But um, it's you know that gives them even more respect for going out there putting away this team that you know. But showed some signs, but you know there weren't. It wasn't real worries. I mean, they did have their biggest lead of the whole series. Uh, the Timberwolves did in this game at 15. But you know, Jamal Murray looks really healthy. He looks like you know as shifty as ever. I mean, it's just a joy really watching him. And um, Jokic and Aaron Gordon, they just think on the same level. Michael Porter's, Porter's hitting his threes, and like we mentioned, they got depth. So right now, they're looking like. In my opinion, definitely the strongest top contending team, Ooh. and I don't know if it's close. I know, I know that's a hot take, but I, I think they're clearly looking like the best uh, top team right now. More scary than what's going on with the other side of the bracket. I know the Lakers fell tonight. I know the Warriors are losing right now. They're down to the Kings. That game is going as we speak. Nuggets still for sure number one over. LeBron and Steph right now? Yeah, I mean, in terms of like, well, I mean, when you look at the contenders, like the top three teams, I mean, with the Lakers and Warriors, they have the experience, and obviously you have to take them seriously, but, you know, they do still have serious holes. You know, the the Lakers, it was a little bit, you know, they couldn't, they did bring that game close against the Grizzlies tonight, but they couldn't finish them out. Um, and again, the Grizzlies with John Moran's hand, that is a worry. And then, uh, with Curry and the Warriors, I mean, their road record is what's going to be keep killing them, and which is probably might stop them in this first game. I mean, there is a high likelihood that it'll go to seven, like we mentioned beforehand, and we'll we'll get a little bit more into that series. But I mean, you know, they they you you got to win games on the road. That's just that's a non-negotiable for the playoffs. And um, you know, the Nuggets haven't really shown too many holes. You know, Jokic it hasn't had to worry too much on defense, um, but. You know, they're rolling and they're the kind of the only team rolling besides the 76ers. Um, and um, I guess we'll we can we can leave them. We can leave them in the rundown where we have them, because um, the next one is actually really interesting an ongoing game, which we mentioned one of the other contenders in trouble. I mean, I mean, Rem Lilly has it in here in the rundown. Giannis in trouble. The Bucks down 3-1. Uh, it looks like they're up on the heat right now at halftime. I think it's 63-69, right? Um, somewhere there. So they're up right now at home. Still a close game, but uh, they expect, you know, the war, the uh, the heat go up 2-1. Giannis finally comes back. Everyone kind of expects, okay, here we go. And then Jimmy Butler just goes unconscious. Scores 56 points, tying the fourth-best scoring performance ever in a playoff game. That's obviously his career-high playoff franchise record. And they come back from 14 points down in the final quarter. Um, I mean, it's it's just wild. Miami from six, yeah, became – they had they went eight from nine in the last six minutes of that game. Milwaukee was four for 13. And I think that's when Jimmy Butler subbed in 
Um, the Bucks are uh, the Heat were outscoring the Bucks in the final in that game and near the end of that game, the last six minutes, 30 to 13. And Jimmy right now is averaging 36 and a half, so pretty much 37, 5 and 5, up from 22, 5 and 5, 62% from the field, 53 from three. And we've mentioned it over and over about playoff Jimmy, but I mean, he just, I mean, like we mentioned, he's, he's reaching new heights and is are you seriously worried for the Bucks? I think of all the teams that were down in the first round in the playoffs, the Bucks are the most likely team to come back from that 3-1 deficit. Cleveland already obviously eliminated tonight by the Knicks. Memphis also down 3-1 to the Lakers. Boston or Atlanta was down 3-1 but 3-2 now, and I assume Boston will close out that series. We'll touch on it, but I think of those teams, Milwaukee is still the most likely to pull their series out, but Jimmy Butler, playoff Jimmy, just time and time again, I don't know if anybody in the NBA has come up more clutch than Jimmy Butler these last handful of seasons. Just going back through his time with the Heat, that 1920, the bubble season, they make it to the finals. He beats Giannis. He beats Giannis in the semis, beats Tatum in the conference finals as the fifth seed. No home court in either of those rounds. And just the bubble season in general, that was very difficult on some players. We know that was in tough environment for these guys to perform. And Jimmy Butler was just one of the guys that rose to the occasion, was terrific the entire bubble and was terrific in that finals. They fell up, they fell short, but Jimmy Butler, the two finals games that they won had a 40 point triple double, a 35 point triple double. And then in the 2021, 2022 playoffs, obviously they lose to Boston in seven, the conference finals and 41 points, nine assists, five rebounds, four steals and three blocks in game one and 47 points, nine rebounds, eight assists in game six versus Boston. Game seven of that series, 35 points, but plays every minute of that game, 48 minutes, and misses the three-pointer with 16 seconds left, dribbling down the court, has a chance to tie or take the lead. It was 98-96. And now he's up 3-1 against Giannis, maybe the best player in the league, best team in the league by record, and having this playoff performance, I, again, Giannis, there's still a chance that they're able to come back from this 3-1 deficit, but Jimmy Butler has time and time again for this Heat team come up clutch. And if he has three opportunities to finish Milwaukee to get this thing done, I'm just nervous that Giannis may be going home round one because Jimmy Butler, I just, the man in the playoffs, I don't know if anybody can top what he's done these last four years. Yeah, and I mean, this is a familiar opponent for the Bucks. I mean, they did sweep them in 2021, but uh, in 20, but the year before in 2020 in the bubble, they lose uh, in five to the Heat. So, you know, it, there's definitely a team that they face multiple times, this iteration of the team. And, you know, it is a little bit worrying. I mean, I guess – for this game, I'm I'm not really surprised if the Bucks win this game, but that game yeah. six in Miami is what's gonna be the real nail biter because 
I mean, like we've always mentioned, the others are better at home. And Miami Heat got a lot of role players who are overperforming, but, you know, usually play better at home. And that, yeah, I mean, I think I think the Bucks can handle business at home at the, in Milwaukee. They should win this game, and they should win at Game 7. But having to go to Miami in Game 6, that's going to be a real, real big matchup. And, you know, probably... A game that, you know, may get, if the Bucks win, may get lost in the annals of history. But if, if Giannis really shows up, you know, that's going to be a big, uh, a big uh, game for his whole career kind of thing. Because he's won a ring. He's an established guy, obviously. But for his, you know, Hall of Fame case, his, you know, putting him up there with the greats. That game six is kind of a game he has to win because getting knocked out in the first round against this Heat team just kind of can't happen for the expectations that this team has. And he does have the injury to fall back on as an excuse if they do lose. He was out for multiple games. And Giannis, obviously, best player in the league. That's very, very costly in the playoffs. But Giannis, I think of all the guys in the league this year, I think Giannis making a run to the finals, winning the finals. I just think the leap he could take from a legacy standpoint would have been a bigger leap than, say, Jokic winning his first ring and Bede winning his first ring. You know, that, that would be major checkpoints for these guys, major accomplishments, major legacy things for Jokic or Embiid to finally win a championship. Tatum as well, throw him in there. But... Giannis getting that second ring and I think having a chance to just be like top 15, top 20 guy in NBA history, just to me, that's the most significant thing left or the most significant thing potentially on the table for these playoffs. And Jimmy Butler now having a chance to come in, disrupt that. The injury obviously is in play, but that Hawks play in game now becomes Maybe the biggest turning point of this entire playoff series where the Heat go into that play-in game, underestimate the Hawks, come up short, lose the game. And, you know, if Giannis gets hurt in a series against Atlanta, Drew Holiday, Middleton, maybe they're able to carry the Bucks over the Hawks. And then you have the Heat going against Boston. Who knows what that does? Does Boston get eliminated the first round? The future, the future of the Boston franchise all of a sudden hangs in the balance at that point. And just going forward for the Heat as well, if they win this series, now all of a sudden they're facing the Knicks in the semifinals and, you know, Boston or Philly and the thing, just the Jimmy Butler legacy thing, who knows what happens there. So the Hawks all of a sudden stepping in, beating Miami in the play-in game, I think becomes maybe one of the biggest turning points of this season because now the Heat have a chance to eliminate the Bucs. Giannis, 20 points tonight. He's being fantastic. But if they can get this done, that play-in game is going to be very, very important. Very, very important. And like you mentioned, uh, I mean, with that bracket, I mean, you're you're playing the Knicks next round, and then you play probably the Celtics or the 76ers, 70, Embiid, not 100%, or a team that you play very well, push them to seven last year. And, you know, you're looking at, even with this game, Milwaukee, you know, we don't want to act minute on minute, but, I mean, they're only up by one right now in that third quarter. And 
if they get eliminated, God forbid, this game or even game six, I think there has to be a serious question asked about not Drew Holiday, which, you know, is someone who I know you've been keeping your eye on, but Chris Middleton. I think Chris Middleton, like we've mentioned multiple times on this pod, I'm very much a pedigree kind of guy. And I think there is a reason that Chris Middleton was in the G League. There is a reason why he wasn't highly touted. And it's because, you know, he he obviously at the peak of his career, you know, he played well. He obviously won a ring. He's second-plus player. But now he's getting older. You can see him starting to regress. It's not – and it's one of those things where, you know, if he's not at the top of his game, you know, if he's not hitting his shots, then it's really tough to keep him around. Um, and when you look at him, he's averaging 15, 4, and 5, not counting this game, on the season off of that injury. And outside of the 33 points in game one, which, you know, they did lose that game, he's been averaging 17, 7, and 6. And looking at his long-term future, he does have a player option next year with um, him making over 40 mil, mil at 32 years old. And then he's a free agent. And, you know, Giannis obviously being there, he, he covers a lot of stuff that goes on. But it kind of makes it interesting with that little sliding doors moment, like you were mentioning with the Hawks. And with the Bucks. I mean, you know, the Heat taking the lead right now. It, the Bucks. there's also that sliding doors moment with Bogdanovich. You know, if they could have gotten him, could he take over for this Chris Middleton role? They just, they need someone. I think they need to move on from Chris Middleton sooner than later because just because you know his ceiling isn't that high. He's never really been a great scorer. You know, he's shown up at moments. You know, I know they say cash money, Chris, and all that. But especially with... How young Giannis is, you know he's going to be there. You can get, you can move back the timeline a bit. And and Drew Holiday, yes, he's having a tough series, but he's still, he can still show up at times. So, you know, I again, didn't go through the trade machine, but I think some serious questions should be asked of having Chris Middleton long-term in Milwaukee. Is that the game you have on in the, in the background right now? Yes. Bucks yeah. Heat? Yeah. Is that what IT threw on for you? IT's got Warriors Kings on in the background over here. Yeah, so I, I know. I minute know to minute, Steph just, Steph just went down, crumpled to the court. He's oh up. He's gosh. walking around now. He looks like he's okay, but Uh-oh. crazy moment to see Steph on the court. And the Middleton thing, you know, Holiday, he gets, he's had some moments in this series. Butler, the numbers against Holiday are really good. He cooked him in the last game. Holiday has had some fouls in some spots as well in some games this year, but he's been fantastic. And in that heat game as well too, hit a big three at the end of that game that kept the bucks in that game in the fourth quarter. I don't think drew holiday is the problem for the core of this team and Middleton as well too. When these guys are healthy and they're at their peak, they were the number one team in the regular season. And they were the team that we thought all year should be the number one favorites to win the title. And if it wasn't for a Giannis injury, who knows what this series looks like. IT has it 75-73 Miami right now. So, you know, the Bucks could go home tonight, but I that injury, I think, is going to be enough of a question mark. Playoff, Jimmy, this team is just not a typical seven seed. 
It's not the type of team you would face in the first round. And that's just across the board for all of these teams this year. These first round matchups are crazy. Steph was Steph and LeBron being the under, you know, not the underdogs in their series, but having to go on the road as the lower seeds against these teams, the West and the NBA is just stacked. Even, you know, Anthony Edwards on the eighth seed, Timberwolves giving the Nuggets everything he has. Kawhi and Katie as a first round matchup is just crazy. So, you know, a first round elimination this year, I think is different than a typical first round elimination in the past, just because of the depth of the league and how close these matchups actually are. But the Bucks, you know, they need to get this done. They're the favorites. We would expect them to get this done, but I don't know if breaking up the core is the solution, but you know, we'll, we'll have to see the injury thing at his age. Maybe that makes that timeline much more questionable. I mean, but do you think keeping Chris Middleton is a viable option? I mean, having someone who's averaging less than 20 points, you know, barely over 20 points when he's playing well, making 40 mil on a title contending team. I mean, is that something you do want? I mean, he is a two-way player, but he's getting older. He's someone who, you know, he, he like we mentioned, has been someone who has great and grind to get where he's at, but you know, and got his one all-star appearance. Personally, I've never been a believer in cash money, Chris. And I definitely think that with him, there isn't much upside. He's not going to keep improving. He's only going to regress. And where he's at already is not a great spot. And his value is not going to get higher. So unless you just wait out his contract this next year, you know, because he's obviously going to take the 40 mil. So unless you wait out his contract this next year or you pay him more, you know, 33, 34-year-old Chris Middleton, I, I think, you know, NBA is a business and you you got to keep it moving. I mean, I know Horst has mentioned, you know, he focuses on fit and Chris Middleton fits, and I understand, but you, you got to move sooner than later. And, you know, they may just pull a, a Warriors and keep Draymond Green around, keep him around and call it good. And he's still going to have great moments, obviously. But my I'm on the Belichick plan. You got to get two, three years early before two, three years late. And right now, or this next offseason is a great time. And if they get out in the first round, I think they have to really look at it. I mean, they something's got to change. I think if you have the one more year with Middleton on the player option, you have to run this thing back with those three guys. And, you know, the question from a contract standpoint, they would also have to answer. Brooke Lopez is a free agent this year, 34 years old, playing maybe just the best, most complete basketball of his career. But who knows long term if he can keep that up and just what kind of number he can get in free agency. Maybe he he might be the third best player on this team this year to potentially miss out on that and have a deep playoff run would be disappointing if you're a Bucks fan. But I still think Giannis, Holiday, Middleton. Holiday is just, you know, he's getting better every year for some reason right now, you know, in his 30s, his defense, best perimeter defender in the league, and offensively just carried the Bucks at times this year without Giannis. Him as the number two, I feel good about. Middleton, he could still be your number three and has just been a clutch playoff score. And if he's on the team last year, maybe Giannis already has his second ring by now. Who knows? I don't think long term signing and signing him and locking him down to a deal. That's a different story. But next year, 
on the player option. To me, that's totally okay. Big number and all. This core, I think you have to still run it back. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, you know, you never want to lose the asset. So, you know, yeah, after is, next that year, is true. You know, after next year, you know, that is he, true. He's going to, he could be gone if you don't want to sign him. And he's, I mean, he's going to want a decent amount of money, especially, you know, considering, uh, you know, how, how uh, his, his stats and stuff. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. It'll be an interesting offseason for them. Um, but yeah, Milwaukee should handle this game. And honestly, I don't know. I can't make a prediction in this game just because I can't predict Jimmy Butler. You know, he he could he could go out here and score 10 points next game and he could go out here and score 50. So I, you know, I originally thought Milwaukee was going to handle him with Giannis coming back. But Jimmy is just gone on another level. And the players around Miami, it's just it's so annoying to watch because they just make shots. And it's it's like. You know, Kyle Lowry, Gabe Vincent, they'll they'll make the three at the weirdest time. And it's like, oh, they, you know, they're just not leaving. And so, I mean, it's the same reason why they um why they took the Celtics to seven last year. You know, it's just they're they got all these veterans and they the veterans know when to turn it on. You know, they got Kevin Love playing decent money minutes here. And it's they just it's just annoying. I don't know. It's just, it's annoying to watch, but it, I mean, it's so good. They're getting it done. And Cody Martin in this game, I think it was Cody, Caleb Martin twin that is on the suns had a big game. Hit some huge shots in the fourth quarter of this game. Duncan Robinson as well had 20 points. It probably had feel like he hasn't had 20 points in two yeah. years. He contributed in a major way in this game. So they got some performances from some role guys that, they typically wouldn't. Let's see, fourth quarter. Ten points in the fourth quarter for Caleb Martin. Two for two from three and hit a three-two like right in Giannis's face on the side late in the game. That was dagger. And they've they've done that this whole series. So it's crazy. And they did it last year too. The thing was, this team was the one seed this year. And it's inexplicable what was going on during the regular season that caused this team to be in the play-in game, to fall down the standings the way it did. But, I mean, this team at this peak was the one seed a season ago. It's the same guys, and they're kind of playing at that same level in this playoff series again. Yeah, I mean, Gabe Bitson has 19 points in 21 minutes. I mean, it's just, it's just always some some role player who, who gets it done. So, um, yeah, um, moving on to... Flipping back over on the other side of the bracket, if we roll back the clock three days before Christmas 2022, in a certain interview, we got probably one of the best NBA Christmas gifts in a long while. It's coming coming to fruition. It took a little bit of time to mature. In a certain interview between Malika Andrews and John Morant, she asked him, you know, who, who are you really scared of? Who are you? And he mentioned the Celtics, the Bucks, And she's like, what, the, the West? What about teams in the West? And he he uttered, uh, he uttered uh, the five, right, four, four most dangerous words. We're fine in the West. This man's really looked her dead in the eye. Second seed in the West said we're fine in the West. Dylan Brooks. Talking all this, Mac calls LeBron old. 
hits him in the private area, known for trash talking, leads the league in text. Last two games, besides this last game, I bet they're available now for media. But before then, they weren't when they were losing. They did come back in this game and and uh, and bring it to 3-2, which was expected in their place. But looking at this team, you know, LeBron, looking at this, I mean, team, it's just, it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, they keep talking all this smack. They literally haven't gotten past the second round with this group. And... You know, it's just it, they're not they're not as good as they think they are. Obviously, I mean, this last game they played great. You look at it, uh, one of the stats coming out: John Moran and Desmond Bain, first pair of teammates in Grizzlies history to have thirty points, ten plus rebounds, and five assists. So, you know, that backcourt went off, and respect to them. But you know, it's it's just one of those things where they don't. Their 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 home their hands are coming to roost for them, and it's very very unlikely that I I think LeBron is gonna clutch it out. He had a great game four, or not? That wasn't game four. That'd be yeah, that was game four. Yeah, 22, 20 points, twenty two rebounds, first Laker to ever do it. And um, yeah, I mean the Grizzlies they just keep talking all this smack, all this unneeded attention, but you know I mean it, it, it seems like just kind of their identity. And was it game was it game three that they had the nine point first quarter? Yep. And yep. just the one of the lowest scoring first quarters in the playoffs this century. I think there's only been a handful of single digit quarters in the playoffs. And there have only been two playoff games where the team has scored single digits and been outscored by more than 25 points in a playoff game. It was this game for the Grizzlies versus the Lakers and the 2003 Western Conference Finals Game 6 Spurs-Mavs. Spurs were up in the series 3-2. to two. The Mavs were up in the fourth quarter, though, Game 6. They were up 69-56. And in the fourth quarter, the Spurs outscore the Mavs 34-9. to They take Game 6. They go to the Finals. They beat the final. They beat... Jason Kidd in the Nets in the finals this year. But the the Grizzlies with just an all-time low scoring effort. And I know they're making it interesting right now, but the Lakers will go back home. And that's really when we get the full-powered uh, Lakers when they're at Crypto Arena. Davis, this series has not shot the ball well. Only 19.5 points a game going into, into tonight's game. 42% from the field, but five blocks is still, you know, being impactful is still wrecking these games, but he's not shooting the ball. Well, we'll see what happens for that long-term in these playoffs. But when the Lakers are at, I think the Lakers still get this in game six. Like you said, though, I the, the Grizzlies did show some stuff tonight with some of the athleticism with some of the pacing and Jaron Jackson, you know, Physically, he may not match up with Davis from a size standpoint, but he is hanging with him. He is, you know, at least I think some of the numbers for Davis versus Jackson have been pretty good, but Jackson is competing versus Davis defensively in these series. So, you know, I think they could make it interesting in game six, but the Lakers at home, I think they bounce back from tonight's loss and I think they close out the series. Yeah, they should. And re and Davis did bounce back in this game yeah. at 31 and 19. So looking dominant again, um, you know, not enough to beat the Grizzlies at home. They had two guys scoring 30, 
But, you know, with that with that game for like we mentioned, like I mentioned earlier, it was I really liked kind of seeing LeBron kind of in him moving into this new role of being a role player, not really taking over the offense as much. Um, shout out to Austin Reeves, who has been controlling mm-hmm. the offense a lot more, had 17, uh, six and eight tonight. Um, so from, from a player who was way bottom on the bench, I mean, that's, that's wild to get that from him. So he's, he's really popping off, but he's, I mean, LeBron right now, it, you can tell he's, it seems like he's saving stuff in the tank. He knows that, you know, with, especially, you know, he knows his own body, especially with his injury history that he's got to pace himself more than ever. And he knows that, you know, the road isn't going to be easy. There are probably playing the Suns or no, the Kings or Warriors next round, um, which, you know, they're war. The Kings are going to be running up and down the floor. And, you know, I just, you know, if, if, if I really, you know, I, I really want the Kings to win, but, Warriors is a pretty good consolation prize. I mean, obviously, LeBron Curry. I mean, that's must-watch TV. So that's not a bad uh, match either. But, you know, that's another team that, you know, is going to push them offensively, you know, maybe only at their place. But um, it's it's going to be – he knows he knows he has to pace himself. So seeing him with that with that lay, game-winning layup, um, and it was kind of funny – because I think, I don't know if it was 2019, 2020. There's somewhere recently where Brooks mentioned, you know, all you got to do is push him to his left, keep bumping him all the way, and then he passes out or blah, blah, blah. And that's what LeBron did that last possession. Uh, kept, he went to his left. I mean, he had Brooks right on him. And Jaron Jackson Jr., you know, completely free. You know, he didn't really have some boxing him out. Went up for it, went up for the block, and he didn't get it, so. You know, shout out to LeBron for closing it out. They did enough. They got it done. And, you know, I, I it's pretty – I mean, I haven't watched the film, obviously, but I'm pretty sure, you know, LeBron didn't push it as much. I mean, he still played 37 minutes. Obviously, he still tried. But chances are, you know, he wasn't really expecting to win this one. And like we mentioned, they should get back in, um, get back in the crypto arena and they should close out this Grizzlies team who, you know, it is an interesting note that John Morant is able to put up this production with his injured hand. I mean, it looked like it was really in- hurting him in that game four. And it'll be interesting long term if they get past the Lakers or even past his year, you know, what happens with that hand. Yeah, and I think he looked like he re-aggravated it in the last game as well, too. So De'Aaron Fox, again, similar to Jaw, both athletically attacking, but also both injured their hands so you know the lakers may luck out and get to play two point guards with injured hands in the playoffs who knows but the speed i think that the grizzlies show tonight i think it'll be interesting to monitor that going into game six you know they haven't really been it it's never it hasn't felt like they've been able to play their peak basketball for some reason it just felt like it hasn't come together quite yet these first couple games it felt closer to peak grizzlies basketball tonight from the little bit that we were able to watch, but will will it be enough to overcome a three one deficit? It's gonna take a lot, but they do have what it takes to make it interesting. Game six in crypto is gonna be difficult, but I think you know if maybe they're building some cohesive here, some cohesion here in this last game, the Lakers might have to watch out for some upset. 
potential. Again, the Grizzlies are the higher seed, so, you know, they're not to be messed with. Yeah, I mean, they are, but, you know, I I mean, it is. it will be interesting. I mean, just the way John Moran plays, I think it was mentioned, you know, where he tried to dunk over LeBron, like he literally tried to jump over him. You know, he, yeah. he just he just plays so reckless and it's that's definitely going to be a factor, I think, in this next game. You know, again, I haven't seen the film, but um, in the in the crypto arena where, you know, it's going to be an elimination game for them. And this past one was as well, obviously, but um, it's going to be a real one and it's going to be probably close. And we'll have to see if he can hold up because it's uh it's not, I mean, LeBron is, you know, LeBron and AD, they've been through it. They, they've put in the reps. They know what it takes. And they've won it before. Something that this Grizzlies team never has. So, um, looks like IT right now is trying to figure out how many points. Okay, so, yeah, Reeves is right now at 17.6. I just had to shout out him because, you know, we were early on it. And he's cooking right, right now. Right. And he's, I mean, you know. Well, we'll have to see. AD, I, 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 hopefully AD can repeat what he did tonight, but, you know, we're, we're going to see. Anyway, um, moving on to the next one we got on the list here, which they're playing right now. We already mentioned the Warriors against the Kings. Kings go up 2-0, but now they're, they, they go visit Warriors in Chase Center, like we mentioned. It's gonna be. It was a totally different Warriors team. Now it's tied at two two, and now they're headed back to Sacramento. I think. I wonder how long of a drive it is. Probably a couple hours, but seems like it makes all the difference for these two teams. Uh, and currently, right now at halftime, though the Warriors showing that their basketball can travel for once. They're up sixty to fifty six. But Curry and and uh, has been on a different level, which why the injury you mentioned would be huge if it if it really if it if it's a serious injury. And uh, going into a little bit of the stats, Curry right now is playing literally the best playoff basketball of his career, um, averaging almost four more points than any other playoff run on his best field goal percentage. With the most attempts, um, fourth best, uh, on or four, fourth, he's 43, he's 40 percent from three, fourth best on uh, percentage on the most attempts from three, best percentage from two point, best effective field goal rating, all at 34 years old, almost the best free throw percentage at 95.2 he had 95.7 in 2018 and he's doing all this without kd 75 percent version of clay thompson you know jordan pulls unreliable self literally carrying this team and you know it's, it's just crazy to watch curry and you know just remember why he's the best guard in this league and has been for a long while now Fox has 17 points, uh, 6 of 14 from the field. Doing it on a fractured finger, the man has been going toe-to-toe with Curry, who, like you said, is the best guard in the league. He has been going toe-to-toe with him for this series. He continues to do so while on injury. And, you know, hey, you better respect Clay Thompson over there. I know Clay Thompson has struggled on the road this season. 
19 points a game, 43% from the field, 39% from three, but 10 for 24 from three, 42 points in the first two games, 18 points, seven of 11 for field from the field in this game. And you know, if a couple of things go differently in those first two games, they could steal probably one or both of those games. And they're in a position right now they're up to, so it's going to be another hard fought game here tonight, but they are doing what it, they are doing what they need to, to win these road games. They are getting the performances out of Steph and clay on the road to get one of these victories. Draymond defensively is flying around and playing like vintage Draymond. You know, Poole hitting a shot or two would be a nice addition to that. But this core is playing, you know, about as good as it's been offensively over this run. And they just need, I don't know what it needs, but they are doing what it takes to win on the road. And it feels like they're going to get one here eventually with the way these guys are playing. But, you know, if Fox keeps balling like this, I don't know. Maybe he can push him away. Yeah, I don't know. I'm a believer in the 82-game sample is, you know, really big. But, you know, it kind of doesn't apply to this team because of the amount of veterans that they have, Um, you know, the guys stepping up. And this is kind of a weirdly must-win game because you really don't want – if you're a Warriors, you really don't want to go into a game seven in Sacramento. You know, obviously you want to close this out. They're leading right now in the third quarter. I mean, you definitely have a chance to win this. And if you can get this, like, we, like for obviously, if you can get this game five, going to Chase Center with closing, I mean, I, I would, it, it would be, you know, it, it would be really hard to choose the Kings in an elimination game in, in, in Golden State. So, um, We'll have to see. I mean, obviously, this is still to be decided. We're literally watching this right now. But, you know, also a shout out to my boy Keegan Murray. You know, uh, he balled out last game in game four, uh, even though it was a loss uh, in Golden State. They He had 23 points. Uh, I'm pulling it up right now. But he was balling. He's been playing. It's, it's actually interesting to see how much Mike Brown is uh, uh, trusting him. And trusting him with these minutes, he had he had twenty three points, uh, seven rebounds, and an assist. And he was doing some stuff off the dribble too, like low key cooking Clay Thompson a little bit, getting some stuff around some. I know Clay Thompson is not the defender he once was, but he still competes. He still tries. Keegan Murray is a rookie, and you know he he was putting a couple moves on him. Yeah, yeah, no, Keegan Murray has been earning these minutes. He's been playing serious minutes too. Um. And he's been playing more as the series has gone along. Had 15 in game one, 16 in game two, 21 in game three, 32 in game four. So he's just he's just earning the minutes right now. And, you know, shout out the Iowa guys as always. But with this game, it's kind of, you know, with the series, it's kind of TBD. Um, you know, as it's looking right now, they're just going so back and forth. It's just like it's super close, you know what I mean? And it's just too close to call right now. I still think the Kings clutch this one out, partially because I think that Curry at some point is going to get tired. He's he's he built different, but he is one human being. And Clay Thompson hasn't been bad, but he's not Hall of Fame Clay Thompson. 
you know, this this series is definitely not the tape he wants to send in with his Hall of Fame case. I, I just think the Kings, I think they'll figure it out. I think they'll probably get the win here. And I, I think they do get it done in game seven. I just trust that. I mean, I'm telling you, light the beam. As long as Harrison Barnes, the sleeper cell, the sleeper warrior that is, because, he, I mean, he missed two threes in the last game. And it was, it was really close. So it's. It's it's just they're very it's a very interesting matchup because you know when you when you think about it you know it's not a it's not necessarily a matchup you normally you know would think I mean I guess they both have their main guy being their point guard but they're kind of two different built teams uh two different I mean not kind of similar offenses but different in ways but it's 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 uh it's 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 definitely one of my favorite. Uh, teams definitely one of my favorite games to watch I mean not grinding out like Knicks Cavs just stepping play offensively or just shot for shot still just they're hitting shots like them peak selves and if this series and these games are going back and forth offensively like this it's been stepping clay for the Warriors Fox has needed a running mate for the Kings and Sabonis is you know would you would think would be the number two on this team, but Malik Monk in the playoffs has really been the number two option for the Kings so far going back and forth. It's been Fox and Monk versus Stefan clay. Monk is second on the team in scoring right now in the playoffs, 17 and a half points a game second on the team in usage. Yeah. He's the sixth man. He's been the number two so far. And if it's, Fox and Monk versus Stephen Clay. Fox can go toe to toe with these guys, but Monk, you know, he's just night for night. I don't know if he can get to that level. And you can see it tonight. He is 0 for 4, zero points on 11 minutes played. And, you know, just if I still trust Stephen Clay and Clay tonight, 20 points, he still continues to shoot lights out. So four fouls. Yeah, true, but on the bench right now. Fox is going to make this Fox carrying the Kings. You know, we're going to have to look historically into it. just the effort. What he's doing right now is crazy. You're saying top. You were saying last episode we may have to start talking about him as like a top five guard in the league. Which you know he continues to perform and make a name for himself in that case. But I think Steph and Clay are going to be too much to overcome. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think that's a reasonable take. I think that's definitely, you know, probably the correct, the right answer, you know, but who knows? We'll have to see if it's the correct one. Um, But that is a very good point about Monk. Monk had 50 points, combined 50 points in the first two games, has dropped to 20 points in game three and game four combined. So he's definitely taking a regression, which is expected. And, you know, they just, they really need some bonus to step up. And we're gonna have to see. I mean, it is kind of Fox doing everything for this team. And you know, if if the Warriors win this game, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I think it is. I think it's you know pretty close to a coin flip because the Kings just have so much talent around them. But you know, they don't have you know that one outside of Fox. You know, they don't have someone who can have a really great running mate. And it's kind of weird. I, I know you've definitely been one of the best supporters of Sabonis and just how much he has. Dropped off during this series, you know, Draymond Green has been a big reason for that. But even in this game, he was out, you know, Sabonis didn't have a huge impact. 
And, you know, his he, they you could definitely see him getting the Draymond Green treatment, you know, in terms of not really close guarding near the three-point line. It's kind of psyching him out. and uh, But something that should have been expected once you come into the playoffs. And Draymond Green defensively, top, still a top defender in the league. So that, yeah. you know, that is going to throw Sabonis off a little bit. And he is performing better tonight as well. Six of 11 from the field. 13 points, second on the team in scoring, trying to be more like Sabonis from the season. 12 rebounds a game in the series as well. Led the league in rebounding. So, you know, he's kept up the effort. He just hasn't been shooting quite as well. Maybe that can rebound if they're able to continue on in the series. But yes, he is going to need to be more assertive and he's going to actually need to be their number two. Monk, offensively, as a shot maker, you know, he can have games where he can go toe to toe with guys and be incredible. And I am probably more confident in his ability in the playoffs than most. But Sabonis needs to be the number two on this team and yeah. he needs to reinsert himself that way. No, for sure. They need him. They need him to reinsert himself. So, yeah, that's we'll have to see where we're definitely keeping an eye on the game. Um, you know, Miami, Milwaukee is pulled away from Miami. 102.94. There's still hope. It's eight minutes, so who knows? That you know, we were already, already we saw what yeah. happened in game four. So that nah, you can't play around with that. But um, it's definitely the main one on the channel. Next up, Celtics versus Hawks. Thinking that we were gonna have uh thinking that there was gonna be over gentlemen sweep at home, game five. Right, yeah, game five in Boston. Celtics are up. Uh, they uh came back, yeah, they're up 13 points, I think, in the fourth quarter, but they went up 13 and they don't close it out. Trey Young hits a three with 2.8 seconds, um, to seal the win. The team themselves hit a series best 19 threes. And it's kind of been the way the Hawks have won when they do um, in that similar to that Eastern conference finals run when they're hitting their threes, they're pretty near impossible to beat. And, uh, but, and the weird part is Trey Young didn't even play well. Yeah. He had 38 points, but he was 14 and 33 from the field. Oh. Um, five of 13 from three. Um, so what, what, what do we do with this game, Rem? I mean, it's, we, I mean, I think we're both pretty sure the the Celtics should go into Atlanta and close them down. But you know, what if Trey Young is hot and it's Game Seven in Boston? Like, is is that are we gonna do? You, do you, are you taking any long term lessons from this series? And the Hawks have won two of the last three technically in the series, so you, things are getting interesting athletically. With the shooting, they can match up well with this Boston team and give them problems with the length. You know, guys like Jalen Johnson can just come in, play defensive minutes, hustle. Hunters played well. They can just match up well with this Boston team. And that the Trey Young shot that he hit in the last game, there's a reason his nickname is Ice Trey. That shots like that that he hits in opposing terror on opposing courts are just they're cold, they're nasty, and Trey Young with his personality. It's always just, it's it's really cool when he hits those shots. It's crazy, but, you know, the Trey Young sweepstakes are going to be wild in the offseason when the Hawks put him up for auction. 
the I think the question for this team, the Boston team, is going to be, you know, this backcourt situation is going to be interesting because Smart this year, the shooting numbers, the box score numbers are very similar to last year, but the event, the defensive metrics are way down. And if Smart is not giving you the defensive impact, I wonder if Brogdon's offensive impact is a little more fitted for this team trying to make a title push during the regular season. He only played 20 minutes a game for this team, still put up 15 points, 48, 44, 87 shooting pl- shooting splits. Per 36, uh, he was a 20-point-a-game score. And this is actually the first time he's ever really ever been on a winning team in the playoffs. Those early Bucks teams with Giannis, those teams were not really contending teams yet. Giannis had not really fully emerged. And then he goes to Indiana. Those Indiana teams, eight seed first round eliminations, has never really been in the playoffs in a serious way. And if you have his offensive game with what Derek White is doing this year, who has been better than he was defensively last year, his three-point shooting, 38%, has been a career high. I Is that backcourt better suited to make a title push than a smart white backcourt? Yeah, no, Brogdon and White have definitely earned those minutes. It's just, you know, what something we've heard from fans, you know, that have been watching this team throughout the years, there's been growing pains with Joe Mazzula as the coach getting those rotations right. Derek White has made himself, you know, into probably the third best player on this team. And Marcus Smart has definitely taken a step back. I mean, when you look at the stats defensively, you know, that's what, well, that's what we're hearing from teams and or from people watching these games. And, you know, when you watch the game, Marcus Smart, he can be off and on as a shooter. You know, his defense has taken a little step back from his defensive player of the year ranking up there. I don't know if I'd put him over Derek White quite yet, but you know, it's definitely you go with the hot hand. You go with the hot hand. And Derek White has shown to be hot in the playoffs. There's still still never forget that dunk he had against the Nuggets when he was on the Spurs. He has he has had some good playoff moments and, you know, maybe switch it up. And Brogdon at that trade that I've been, you know, that I thought was pretty underrated. And now we're seeing why it's, I mean, he, he's really a good playoff performer going back to those Bucks series where he used to carry the team at times. I mean, I think it's a, it's pretty good backcourt over smart and, you know, Tatum. And I think the main reason I'm not too worried Tatum and Brown, they're still playing well. Um, Tatum averaging 26, uh, 26, five and nine. Brown's still averaging 25, three and five. So if you're still getting 50 points combined from your stars a game, you know, the rest of the team should be able to figure out. And I'm pretty sure they should handle business in Atlanta, but you know, it's kind of an interesting blip. I mean, I think the two games that the Hawks have won, uh, they had like, I think a record or something pretty close for hitting threes or they they've been, they've been extremely hot from three. In the two games they won. So both of them kind of been aberrations, kind of something special. And, you know, unless Trey Young goes off for something wild because he's fighting for his job right now, um, I think the, the Celtics should finish this one. Yeah. All righty. Moving on to 
the next series, the last one, and the only one, well, last of the first round, and the only one that was actually a sweep, the 76ers dispatched the Nets, um, send them home, but without Joel in game four, he has a sprained LCL. So at what cost? Um, Joel Embiid still not practicing, will be reevaluated later this week. Um, Celtics gave him more time to figure that stuff out with that choking in Atlanta, which is probably their biggest biggest issue from that game. And, you know, it's kind of interesting. Game three, I think there were clips going around of how many times Joel Embiid kept falling down. There's that whole technical stuff, you know, him. But it's kind of interesting. I mean, it's sad to see. Obviously, like we mentioned, he's he's had a ridiculous career, uh, ridiculous season this year, winning the second consecutive scoring title um, on the league best, 33.1 points, um, seventh in rebounds, 10.2, and blocks at 1.7. But I don't think we should be surprised. You know, only season that he only a postseason that he's actually played healthy was the bubble in 2020. And, you know, they had a four uh, a four month break. When you look at his playoff trips, um, last season against the Raptors, he had an orbital fracture and concussion um, during game six. Uh, and then in the conference semifinals, uh, he had a torn ligament in his thumb. And then in 2021, he had a lateral meniscus tear on the first round against the Wizards. And then in 2019, 2020 was the season he played and he was fine. And then 2019, he had knee, left knee tendonitis. And then, you know, you go further back in 2018, you know, uh, he had a fractural orbital bone. So things along those lines. He's just he's just a guy who gets injured a lot. And, you know, hope they're obviously Philly fans hoping they can get him back for that next series against probably the Celtics, um, which it would be wild if they had a rematch against the Hawks. That just... <laughs> <laughs> just another wild hawks run. I mean, there's no way. I don't know. Do they do they not trade? I know we're I know we're reverting back, but I mean, if the Hawks somehow pull it off, they they can't trade Trey Young, right? Just just quick check in. Are we going to come away from the playoffs with Trey Young and Jimmy Butler as the two best players in the East? Is that what's going to happen? Dumb in the in the Eastern Conference Finals. That'd be that'd be stupid again. Uh, but going back to reality, um. You know, the 76ers, they, I mean, the Celtics for them, you know, it can turn out to be a pretty easy path, you know, for them if they're facing uh, uh, a 76ers with a banged up Joel Embiid and then a Bucks with a banged up Giannis, you know, another easier path. Obviously, Giannis banged up is still, still great, but it, it's definitely it's definitely questions long term. Obviously, I'm not going to be sitting here at saying trade and beat or whatever, but it is something to keep an eye on. That you know, he just gets injured every year, and he carried such a load this past year. Um, and I I don't know. I mean, how, how does Philly fight it? I mean, you have an older Joel and our older James Harden who isn't playing, you know, nearly his elite level, and Maxi still figuring stuff out. Like, you know, what what answers do they really have? James Harden, unfortunately, cannot be the answer. He had a career high from three this season. Well, I think maybe second career highest three-point percentage this year. And he is 42% from three in the playoffs. But 
His other shooting numbers have not been great. He's 34% from the field. In order to go 34% from the field and 42% from three, he that means he has to go. So he's 14 of 33 from three-point percent. He is nine of 34 from two-point on two-pointers versus the Nets in the first round of the playoffs. He just, his movement, his ability to get to the rim and get by guys, finish through contact and ones, all of the stuff he used to do off the dribble as peak James Harden. It just doesn't seem like he can get to that anymore. He can still hit like the open catch and shoot type three where he's just not really having to move. He just gathers straight into it. Easy shot, but any type of drive, any type of step back now shooting off a of movement just doesn't seem like he's able to convert on those type of shots. And really just through the series in general, only got hot in one quarter from three pointer. And, you know, 42% from three is pretty good, but he was four for five from three in the second quarter of game one. And if you take that out, He's 10 for 23 in the other 11 quarters. He's 26%. So just overall in the series, not a good shooting series from James Harden. And with Billy's injury, with Embiid's injury, Harden struggles. And Boston as well, too, has been like the one team that Philly just struggled with in the regular season. Embiid had good matchups against Milwaukee, even across the conference, you know, Denver, all that stuff. But in conference against Milwaukee and be dominated, but not against the Celtics. They still beat Philly in the season series. So the East is opening up for Embiid if he was able to stay healthy, but I just, it just, there's a lot of question marks around this Philly team. And I'd be kind of nervous going into this second round matchup. Yeah, no, I'd be seriously nervous unless Maxi turns into a superstar that, you know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think he's kind of their only hope for this series besides Embiid. Um, because even if Embiid comes back, you know, it's going to be pretty obvious that he won't be 100%. You know, this is kind of why Jokic is probably going to win the MVP because as much as they don't want to admit that regular playoffs affect the voting, they still do a little bit. And, you know, I mean, he did sweep them, but... Well, you know, Jokic is the one making the headlines, things along those lines. So we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, my, my, the kind of my pretty much thing with the 76ers long term is that, you know, Maxi is going to be, have to be the guy. He's going to have to be a guy. And I don't know if he has a ceiling for that. Um, we're not even going to mention Tobias Harris. And yeah, I think that's about it for their core. So, um, yeah, that's I mean, it's pretty tough to see him go down like that. And um but like you mentioned, even with them being healthy, the Celtics have been a team that they've seriously struggled with. So I I think yeah, I think you'd still be picking the Celtics with or without, but it makes it a lot easier without them. So um looking to the only second round matchup that is set in stone right now. Uh, Suns and Denver, maybe one of the most exciting ones. Um, just a quick preview because this pod has gone on long enough. <laughs> um, also, shout out to the Bucks for only making one field goal in the fourth quarter so far. They're still oh, up geez. by seven over the Heat. They're really trying to throw this game. Anyway, 
Uh, yeah, IT told me to take get it back on. Anyway, uh, going. Well, moving on to Denver and um, Denver and and uh, Suns. I mean, I think we mentioned it a little bit earlier, but you know, Denver just has more depth. But that top end talent for the Suns, I mean, you know, is Booker who's playing at a Hall of Fame level. I mean, forty points a game is a Hall of Fame level, and. KD, who's a Hall of Famer, top 15 player of all time, probably higher. So, you know, it's definitely it's 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 definitely gonna be must-watch TV. I mean, I personally think that the Denver is gonna be able to just score him out the water. You know, Jokic hasn't really had a huge scoring um game so far. And the uh, and uh, Jamal Murray has been cooking everyone he's faced. MPJ has been playing well. So, you know, I definitely think that uh, Denver is going to be too much on their scoring side. I'll score them by a lot. And um, Jokic won't have to worry about defense again. And the Nuggets do have guys they can throw at Booker and throw at Durant. They can throw Porter Jr. and Gordon on Durant. And Contavious Caldwell Pope can chase Booker around. You know, Booker probably going to get his points but kcp can compete on defense bruce brown as well too christian braun even if they need to get desperate and start throwing guys christian braun had some good defensive moments in the regular season they could trot him out there in the playoffs if they needed to so they do have bodies to match up and if ayton can defensively do what he did to Jokic a couple playoffs ago be a tough defensive matchup for Jokic. Jokic continues to get better Jokic is, you know, in a better position this playoffs. But if Aiden can defensively do some stuff, then they're in a much better position against the MVP. But I just, the minutes thing and the depth for the Suns, it didn't really show in that first round. And if Kawhi is on the court, even without Paul George, that series probably goes seven games. And the Suns, you know... Yeah, and that series is definitely way closer than it turns out to be. So right now, you know, we'll I'll we'll do the research. Maybe we'll get into a know more about it going into next week. But right now, I would have to say the Nuggets in six or seven for this series. I just Kawhi could have gotten it done, and Durant and Booker are playing outstanding, but the Nuggets are a step up from the Clippers. Jokic a step up from Kawhi and he's actually going to play the entire series so my initial pick would be Nuggets in seven yeah I think that's the right pick um I think the Nuggets up top to bottom are definitely more talented than the Suns but that playoff experience you know with that group hasn't really been there for the Denver I mean yes it's Katie's first trip with the Suns, but beyond him, everyone else has played together, those main guys. So it's definitely, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, with this playoff series as the Denver finally faces their real test. I mean, their real core all there faces their real playoff test and trying to knock out Katie, but they should handle it. They should get over that hurdle and it should be a good ramping up for probably either Curry or LeBron in the <laughs> Western <laughs> conference finals. Almost the Kings pull it off, but we'll see. Anyway, um, moving on to the last thing, and you know, something we've been I've uh, been kind of pushing off 
frisbee mm-hmm. corner not a not a great ending to the podcast um iowa state came to iowa city last night and you know it was a close game but they beat us three out of four times well they beat us that game on universe point the very last point which they've done the last three or four times it's been we've taken it to the literal last point and they beaten us the one time they did it and they beat us by more we didn't have most of our team there we've been through it but um yeah i personally you know didn't play the hottest it was it was a solid game you know some ups some downs uh but you know it was it was uh it was kind of interesting playing on a hill i think most of their seven out of their eight points were scored on deep shots just chucking it down the field and they definitely were using the downhill to their advantage. I mean, obviously we have the downhill as well, but our D offense definitely works up the field more often and they just tend to hawk it, um, which means just throwing it as far as they can um, down the field. And they want, I mean, they use it to their advantage and they won. We did have, you know, some uh, lapses here and there, but watching, I mean, being in that game, um, we could definitely tell that, you know, we, while we may have been more athletic and stuff, we just, you know, need to work on execution, um, which the Bucks need to work on because it's a three point game right now with two minutes. And oh, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, you Giannis. might need an IT saying you definitely need to switch to this guy. IT just uh, keep the camera on. Oh my goodness. I, this is ridiculous. Uh, Jimmy Butler just hit a three. The game's tied. It's, it's tied. Like, what, what are we doing? What? <laughs> Bro, you're ahead of me. What are you doing? I'm sorry. Our streams aren't synced. <laughs> I can't. If we lose it, literally, they might lose. I mean, you know, you're about to see something else, but golly, bro. This is ridiculous. This is uh, Anywho, but back with Frisbee Corner, we have regionals this weekend. We're probably going to face I Suck again, and they their team is Iowa State Ultimate Club. I'm not insulting them that's literally their name but we'll probably play them again and we're pretty confident you know we we've lost the last four times to them but it's been close every single time yeah this this one i mean even with this game i mean the last point was scored because you know we had our help defender coming in and he accidentally stepped on a couple pieces of feet and our defender wasn't able to get up and contest the shot so or contest the deep throw so you know it was a one play bang bang thing but we know what we need to do. It's the same thing all year, which, you know, it's kind of depressing because it is the same thing all year. But at the same time, you know, you know, we got to we got to keep believing our our the D line, my D line. We're definitely we 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 did experiment in the game a little more, but we figured out what offense works best for us. We're definitely going to be running it a lot. And. Oh, my goodness. Sorry for these unusual pauses, but it's tied up right now. And I, I think the Heat almost got a turnover from the Bucks. It's about to be a tip ball. I'm sorry, Rev. I got to let the people know. He's this giving me the unbelievable. Giannis is – this is crazy. This is – no, this is actually crazy because this – I mean, this is historically significant. If the hot Bucks go out in the first round, I mean, this is a serious stain on Giannis's career as a number one seed to be knocked out, you know, by a team that was fighting in the play-in, didn't know if they are in. And obviously, you know, you got to look at the talent they have on this team. But, I mean, to get the gentleman sweep, to lose, not even be able to beat this team at home is wild. I mean, 
that's that's still wild considering the numbers that they had throughout the season and it just continues to build out jimmy butler's legacy but we're gonna have to see but anyway back to uh frisbee corner which is happily getting interrupted right now um yeah i mean when we have the end of this weekend we have regionals and you know obviously i want to hope the best i hope we make it to nationals but it's you know if we don't where, you know, it'll be, it'll be, you know, it's been a fun time playing with IHUC, with Iowa Ultimate, uh, Iowa Hawkeye Ultimate Club. Really taught me a lot about Frisbee, introduced me to a sport that, you know, I'll probably play the rest of my life. And it's definitely, it's been a fun learning experience. And I'll miss the guys I play with, you know, team will probably, you know, a lot of guys on this team, you know, probably I've mentioned that they won't be able to play again, won't have time. And, you know, depending on where I live, there may not be that much to be there. So, but we're definitely going to give it all this weekend. We'll see how it turns out. And yeah, yeah, we might have to see how this game turns out. Um, I don't know where you're at, Rem, but the Heat have the ball with less than a minute half and it's tied. And I, yeah. It's, I got it's 27 wild. seconds left. Oh, you're oh, you're ahead now. You're ahead. You're oh, ahead. Behind. You're ahead. He's he's ahead. Okay. All right. Well, I guess we could just stay on at the end of this. I mean, we got a little time here. Um, we're gonna have to. I mean, we we could do live play by play, but this is gonna come out after the game is over, so people are already gonna know what happened. But Kevin Love just fouled out with 15 points in the game, so oh. Chris Middleton's gonna have two shots here to try to put this game and the buck, then the heat are going to 27 seconds have a chance to get a final look at a shot. So I, Jimmy Butler, you're right. Going into Milwaukee here is unbelievable. A chance to upset Giannis. Giannis had 20 points in the first half and it's not like Giannis wasn't, you know, putting up the Giannis numbers, but 33 points in the game, 13 points in the second half. Timeout, Miami. This is incredibly tense. You know, this is, I think Miami is in a similar situation to where you guys are at playing Iowa State because you say this is a stain on Giannis's resume if they lose this game. I get that you don't want to be eliminated in the first round as the one seed by the eight seed. There are historic precedents to that, but. You know, you guys watching iHuck play, I suck. You you match up well with the team. Athletically, you go toe-to-toe with them. You guys are every bit as good as the Iowa State team. And they're ranked way ahead of you in the rankings. They're in the 30s, 40s. You guys are ranked in the 90s. Top 100 headed to regionals. But the, there is a difference in the rankings. But you couldn't tell if you watched it. Both teams can still hang. And Miami, again... This team was ranked number one in the Eastern Conference last year, and I don't know if the ranking can really reflect here what this team was. I still think you'll know, peak Miami, maybe definitely better than Brooklyn. We're more confident in Miami over the Knicks. We're more confident than Miami over the Cavs. This is probably the fourth team in terms of pedigree, in terms of confidence rankings in the Eastern Conference at the given moment. It's a tough matchup for Milwaukee in the first round. They're up by two here with a chance to, you know, Miami's going to have the ball here with a chance to take the lead. I don't, I don't know. Continue with Frisbee corner. Sorry for the interruption. No, you're right. You're right. Everything's right. And, you know, 
we'll we'll have to see. Um, just like LeBron mentioned, you know, he he said after this game five of seventeen against the Grizzlies, he just lost. He said he was crapping. I was crapping my game. I mean, it's just interesting because you know, with the rotation, how it works, you know, it, especially with defensive line. Um, we have, I mean, we have a rotation of offense and defense. And so we have like two defensive lines and, you know, it means that you probably have three, two, three to five moments that you can really affect the game. And so, you know, moments I had, you know, I had, I had one where I was kind of, you know, trying to stop a certain cut, a certain route and, you know, went a little off my man. And they threw a pass which shouldn't have been able to be completed. Um, and to my guy, I mean, it was it was over his defender, and uh, they got it done. And you know, they scored on the first one, and then another one. I was really, really hoping to get a block, so I like kind of went with my defender, and he he cut deep, and they loved to huck it, and it was downhill, and it was perfect. So there's that, and we were able to come back in the second half, and uh, we definitely won the second half in terms of points. I don't think we got uh, broken at all, which means they didn't get a better, higher score, but, you know, couldn't, couldn't make up for what happened in the first half. So locked in leaves us hungry for this weekend. And I know, I know our team's hungry. We're definitely locked in and um, yeah, we're going to have to see for some reason, the schedule hasn't come out yet, but uh, we'll definitely have a fat report next week of a lot of games gonna be it's gonna be a lot of very very busy and um yeah we're gonna put it all on the line because it could be pretty much our last tournament no schedule that's crazy you guys are playing this weekend midweek no schedule but do you have a sense of the teams in the tournament and uh what you this is regionals what is the step up in competition like it's definitely a huge step up um yeah we know we'll probably be the fourth or fifth seed somewhere in there because (laughs) The teams that we have three main teams that will definitely be ahead of us, Carlton, Minnesota and uh, Wisconsin. And those are the three teams that have been in the top 25 all year. Carlton was actually Minnesota was in the top five for a little bit. But um, oh, my goodness, this game is not over. It's not over. One point game with six seconds left is what I got. Oh, OK. Yeah, same. It's not called timeout. I don't know what's going on here. All I saw was Kyle Lowry get the ball and then something happened. Oh, I think the Bucks called a timeout. Okay, okay. I don't know. I'm wilding right now. This game is just Bucks just want to lose. They want to throw this game so bad. I don't know. They can't do this. They can't do this two more times and win. They can't do this four games in a row, essentially, in the fourth quarter because this happened last game. This crazy comeback by the Heat. It's happened again. This can't be what happens in these quarters for the Bucks going forward. This can't be what happens if you're the number one team in the NBA. What's going on, Milwaukee? I don't know. I don't know. They got. I mean, they got to do something anyway. But uh, back to Frisbee. Yeah. So the main teams, Minnesota has actually been high ranked than Carlton most of the season, but Carlton actually beat them at their section so that's interesting but those are the three teams above us um that probably will be ahead of us throughout the throughout the uh, whole series so chances are how they do rankings they'll do they do one two three four as the top 
uh, four seeds in their division, and then they go backwards. So it's four, five, six, seven. Um, so four being in the same, or no, 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 it'd be five, six, seven, eight. So they'd have four and five being the same, three and six, um, two and seven, and then one and eight. You know, obviously rewarding for higher seeds. So chances are we'll be at four and five, and we'll probably play each other again during the during the um play each other again during during the pool play. So um, we'll probably play them on Tuesday, and yeah, that I mean. We yeah, we need every win we can get because the further we can push off dealing with one of those top three teams, the better. You know, hopefully they'll be tired and we can catch them lacking. And because yeah, we can't we can't be facing them earlier on. So and and because there's two bids to nationals, it is a weird thing. So if we're able, which we should be, to hopefully to make it to semifinals. Then even if we lose it, there's still a second bracket to go into because there's two bids. So you want to still fight for that third place. So it's still you still get a chance to go on because so those two teams that lost, they play each other. And then whoever wins that, um, they play the team that got second place in the final. So they they play the team that loses in the final, and then that team goes to nationals. So there's still there's multiple chances to get to nationals. It's just it's gonna be a hard uphill road, but you know, it's uh it's possible. And as long as there's a shot, we're we're gonna go for it. Um, so yeah. But shout out to Rem for showing up. Mans was standing up in the cold the whole time. So you know, but he was locked in. What what did you think? Your first experience, I'm guessing, of club frisbee, uh, club frisbee. You know, we we've talked about the rise of sports. We've talked about in reference to football, to basketball, to these big leagues like the NFL, the NBA. But things like pickleball, things on, you know, a much lower level continue to increase in popularity. Sports are just growing top to bottom. And Frisbee, Ultimate Frisbee, it was amazingly fun. It was an incredible night. Just the vibe of the game, the sidelines, the energies that were brought by the two teams, the chanting, the cheering, the kickoff, and just all of it, it's all great. It's like the vibe of a soccer team with sort of the skill set and play design and the athletes of like football players, receivers, they're throwing stuff around, there's guys running rounds, but you got these like soccer like chance soccer like atmosphere vibe to the game going it's just a great crossover it is a fun sport the pacing of the game is well it just it it would it's going to be fun to see where the future of this sport goes i think ultimate frisbee has a fun future ahead of it and it was an incredible night of fun incredible to be out and watch it live and like you said you it's going to be an up row battle for regionals but you guys are tough competitive team and you proved in the sectionals that you can compete with teams that are, you know, even though they're ranked way highly above you, you've proven that you've matched up. Well, you said it, like you said, you pushed Iowa state every time. And it's just about finishing the job. You are, you know, one play away from finishing the job in this game. So just about finishing the job in regionals, but you guys prove that you can go toe to toe with these teams. You know what you're capable of. Yeah, and it, you know we'll have to see. I mean, definitely with Wisconsin, we played them a little bit last year, 
Um, and we weren't nearly as organized as we were now. Um, we were definitely running open lines. We weren't, we weren't having our as nearly as polished and, you know, it was a close game. It was a solid game. We were right up there with Wisconsin. So that's one of the three, uh, Minnesota and Carlton are a different class than Wisconsin. And they're, 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 they're definitely different crust, but if we can get past, you know, Wisconsin and Iowa state, then, you know, we got pretty much two shots at either Minnesota or Carlton, that's going to be the the two guys. We're going to have to beat one of them. And, you know, it's definitely – we have the talent for it. It's just getting that execution down, and that's been our main issue throughout the year, the execution. We have the talent. We, I mean, we get open. We have open guys. It's just trusting our teammates, trusting each other. And, you know, I think uh, I think with, with this in mind, I, I, think we'll, I think we'll get it done, but – well, I'll let you know. We'll definitely have a report um, as well as an NFL draft report next week reacting to all the stuff. Um, but first, we got to we gotta see the end of this. Oh, my goodness. Don't say anything. I'm behind. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, but you were, we're about to see the end of this game. I don't know what happened. Uh, Miami gets the ball. But, you know. Uh, but quickly before we forget the moment, Giannis almost throws the ball out of bounds to Chris Middleton, who saves it in. Drew Holiday gets fouled, makes one of two free throws. But that'd be an insane sliding doors moment uh, for Giannis if he throws the ball out of bounds and they lose the game. But it looks like something else is happening here. I don't, I don't know. Can Ram? I guess you might as well spoil it. Where's your stream at? Your perfectly legal stream. How's it coming? Uh, yeah, my perfectly legal stream is at 2.1 seconds. They're about to inbow the ball. They throw it up. And Jimmy Butler hit a layup. Oh, oh my goodness. Jimmy. They're going to overtime, and we are definitely not going to be here the whole time because I <laughs> we're not doing that. But Jimmy Butler forcing overtime on the road. What a tough layup over Drew Holiday. Golly, bro. How did how did they inbound that ball over Giannis? What's what's Pat Connaughton doing? Like Jimmy Butler falling to the ground. He's Pat Mahomes in the Super Bowl getting it in. And now Sacramento making the game a four-point game, still down four with six minutes left. I might have to do, you know, that one meme where you have one eye on one screen and one in the other. But anyway. We'll probably talk about it next week. May, definitely an abbreviated form uh, version because we'll have other stuff. But thank you for listening. Thanks for hanging with us. Shout out to Rem for being out there in the cold. He he put in the hours. He's watching the games. And he's also putting hours on social media. Make sure you're following our new YouTube, Rem and Sam, putting out shorts. Rem and Sam on Instagram still. And you know, who knows? We might be on other platforms. We'll see. Obviously, don't want to throw too much on Rem, but, you know, it's yeah, the channel is growing. We're getting consistent viewership on Instagram, so we know y'all are listening. Y'all are liking the reels, watching them, and so keep it up. And, yeah, we should have Mr. Danny Whiskey Man on next week. The Bears fan himself. See what the Bears do with the number one pick. His reaction. I know he's gearing to go. He wanted. He wanted. He was definitely. He's ready to do a full breakdown. So, yeah. We'll we'll uh, we'll end this pod so we can watch Jimmy Butler put on more as he already has 40 in this game. Golly. 
but yeah thank you for listening and make sure to come back next week